Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam. Raised by Earl. Roller coaster ride that is Houston Sports. Chill H Town for the only homegrown afternoon team is talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A team. It is straight up 3 o'clock here inside our palatial iHeartMedia Houston studios. The A-Team is on the air on a decision Monday on Sports Talk 790. Wex over there, AC right here. Joe George slides over into the producer role. Hope you've enjoyed him the last three hours with the Matt Thomas show, not starring Matt Thomas. Uh, But we got a lot to talk about. Decision Monday as far as Deshaun Watson and... The decision that we've all been waiting on for a long, and I mean long time, over a year in this case, uh, finally came down today, so we're going to jump into that. We will uh, also obviously talk about the Astros taking three out of four as of yesterday and the trade deadline that looms. We've got Ben Verlander coming up in an hour from now to get in on uh, another dominant performance by his brother over the weekend and, of course, just the Astros and Major League Baseball in general just ahead of the trade deadline, and the good, the bad, and the ugly as well. Football at five, everything we always get to. But, Wex, this is uh, a decision that we were waiting on a long time, as I mentioned. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And I don't think, I I think at one point we decided that no matter what the decision was going to be, uh, no one was going to be happy, (laughs) or at least a lot of people weren't going to be happy. Um, I guess the first thing would be, were you surprised that it was only six games? Because I I was and I wasn't, and I'll explain. Um, But is this going to be the final tally 
That's that's my number one thing. Is it going to remain at six games? Well, there's two parties that could appeal. One will not, at least according to their statement yesterday, because they already knew what the outcome was before today when everybody else found out, and that was the NFLPA. Pretty clear that they had uh, good information or were flat out told what the suspension was going to be in the 16-page document from Judge Sue Robinson that was released earlier today. It is now posted on our blog. So if you would like to know everything you can about what she was thinking, at least in terms of what she wanted to write down to describe how she came to this conclusion, I encourage you, visit sportstalk790.com right there on our show page. Watson ruling, six-game suspension. Read Judge Robinson's full 16-page report. Everything you could want to know about how she came to this conclusion is there. Two parties can appeal. NFLPA said yesterday they did not plan to appeal. The decision was uh, released today, so I assume they will continue with that statement they made yesterday. The NFL released their statement as well and said they will uh, review the imposition of this six-game suspension and uh, act accordingly. They have three days to do so. If they want to file an appeal, that's the time frame with which to do it. It's dated August 1st, so they have three days from now to uh, come to that conclusion. Quite honestly, I think they knew what they were going to do uh, as soon as they found out what was going to be in this report, which was not today, but rather before today. I think they're going to take the time it suggested in their statement that they would to review it, but it doesn't make any sense for them not to appeal. I would be floored if the NFL did not appeal this. Well, and okay, but go back. Let's let's rewind it just a little bit to the um, report you were talking about. I mean, am I the only one that's crazy reading her report where it says the NFL has proven this? The NFL has, you know, the burden proof is here for this. It's basically three aspects that, that needed to be proven, and they did. In order to confirm that he'd broken violated the policy yeah had done something to get suspended in other words right but so here's my six game suspension like I, well violating the policy could be a zero game suspension could be well, a one game suspension could be a five game suspension. As, as much as deshaun's camp would like them to come to that decision i'm saying any vi- violating the policy doesn't automatically result in a game or games suspension and this is of all the things we've seen them do this is as as beyond comparable to anything else that they've ever ruled on. Which it says. Which it says. So that's another thing to consider. And then the ultimate consideration is they've never done this before. This process. Right. It's brand new. It hopefully will continue because I do think it's a better way to do it. Maybe they can come up with an even better way than this way to do it down the road somewhere. But uh, the, the way they're going about it now opens the door for either side. Again, I think it's pretty clear that the reports yesterday that the length of time, about a month's time, it took for Robinson to uh, just continue to go over the documents in front of them, the hundreds and hundreds, over 200 pages worth of information for her to continue to look through and stuff that was presented to her over the several days that they met and then submitted because, as many reported yesterday, Dan Graziano of ESPN among them, efforts to come to an agreement, basically have the two sides say, well, you, we want eight, well, we want six. How about seven or something like that? Uh, it did never come to pass because they weren't close enough to do so before she ultimately released that uh, today. I, I can't sit there and, and say what's in there equals any number of games. I mean, if it was two based on reading that, that would sound like, OK, that doesn't really add up. If it was 17, a full season, it, it that would also to be seem like, all right, that's a little bit far reaching. That seems like too much with the 
this happened, this happened, this uh, happened, he violated this part, this part, and this part, but there's also this and this and this. And like I said, it's all in there. We'll share with you some experts excerpts, obviously, but we're not going to read the full 16 pages. That's for you guys to do. <laughs> um, yes, the answer to your initial question is, yes, I was surprised, but only mildly. Um, I thought it would be an eight-game suspension. I did not expect, and, and that was maybe before yesterday's NFLPA comments, because once they said we're not going to appeal, well, then I kind of tossed eight games out the window. Because if it was eight games, I think they would also maybe possibly appeal. And you might have seen where both sides would have appealed it. But I think they were uh, resolved to understand it wasn't going to be less than this. This is as great as they could have hoped for in terms of the number. And so they were willing to say, all right, that's good. We are ready to move forward. If you are, we'll take the six and we'll move on. And we'll take the money suspension, money fine that goes along with these six games, which is just game checks off his base salary for those six games, a little under $400,000. And no fines. Yeah, no fines. And again, it's not directly stated what punishments uh, can be levied, although fines away from game checks are way outside the norm. They don't I, They don't really usually ever happen. They are usually based on this. That's true. Um, we'll again remind you, the Cleveland Browns veteran extension and contract work this offseason that includes more than just Deshaun Watson, for those that want to say uh, they skirted this and knew this was coming and the NFL fell right into their trap. But yeah, overall, I thought it would be eight. Um, but I think ultimately may end up being eight because I think the NFL will file an appeal over the next three days. And that was my next question. Could it get worse for Deshaun Watson as far as the number of games? Um, I was having a conversation with Gordy before the show about this. And I, I asked him the same question. And I said, you know, if is there a possibility the NFL steps in? Because that's what this would be, right? The NFL which was criticized by the Players Association for being the judge, jury, and executioner in Roger Goodell. He was the end-all, be-all, no matter what, right? And that was the problem they had. That's why this process is in place. That way the NFL can say, well, we're not the judge, jury, and executioner. We brought in this you know, independent party over here that's going to make it more fair for both sides here in, in situations like, you know, well, not like this because there's never been one, but disciplinary situations. And... So if you do that, and then this party comes to this conclusion, and then Roger Goodell, who is the person that all the appeals processes rest with in this situation, comes in and gives more games, aren't you not going to be right back to square one where the Players Association, even if some of them disagree with supporting Deshaun Watson from the standpoint they know he did something that was wrong, um, says, wait a second, you know, we just got through with... Roger Goodell being the guy that can do all this or being the final say, and we're right back to where we are again. Yeah, but I just still think it's quite the same. They, they, you're right. They might be upset with it, but it's definitely not the same. It's not going down the same way. Uh, he isn't necessarily uh, the final voice here, but somebody within the NFL office, so for all intents and purposes, it is the same. You know, Roger Goodell works for the owners. Troy Vincent works for the owners. They all work for yeah. the owners. They work in the league office. That's who runs the league office, the owners. So it's fine to categorize it like that, even if it isn't necessarily come about, coming off of his desk. Uh, it, it essentially is coming off the desk of someone he's appointed to handle it for him in this Correct. case, if it reaches that point. Uh, I would say, yes, it, it would be right back where we started if the NFL appeals and somehow it's 10 or 12 or 17, but it isn't going to be, so I'm not concerned with that. Could it be 8? I think that's as as high as I think it could go from where it sits today. Basically not, half a season. Which is kind of why I thought it would be there to begin with, which is why I think the 
NFL will appeal. And and honestly, the NFL is going to want to appeal to, well, literally, the way I'm saying it, they're going to want to appeal to some of their fan base. Because of the appeal, it will give the appearance of them caring more. As in, right. it almost doesn't matter what she recommended. Right. She could have recommended an entire season, which is what they asked for. Right. They could have still appealed to try to say, well, we actually think it's more than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, those are hypotheticals and scenarios that aren't necessarily really. But just my point is, if they want to encourage people to think they care, well, they would appeal almost anything. Again, within reason to make it look like, okay, we want more. We've always asked for more. If we don't get more, don't blame us. We did all we could. You can look even deeper into the NFL investigation, which actually there's another reason to read this report. The NFL investigation um, for this player, and I was very unhappy to read like the very first line of the report where Judge Robinson notes the number of cases filed against him. It says there were 24 cases filed against him or 23 other cases, which is inaccurate. There were 25 cases filed against him, 25 civil cases. One case was taken off. They stopped the filing because that was way back when he was merely he and Rusty Arden were asking for the names of the plaintiffs to be attached to the case. And at that point, one case dropped and then 23 others were still there along with the original one. But either way to consider where that sits like i said read all read all of it i really really encourage you to read all of it so you have a better understanding of of why we're here uh the six games include only one game inside the division for the browns i don't think anybody expected him to be suspended for the one of the only games i know the texans carry the browns selection in the first round next year and others so they should care about all of their games but the game that their team plays here might carry a little bit more weight nobody i don't think as the last few weeks went by expected him to be suspended for the december 4th week 13 game and now even with appeal unless he gets hurt practicing at camp or during the four weeks or five weeks of playing before he gets there he's going to be the starting quarterback for the opposing team on December 4th at NRG Stadium trying to make the Texans draft pick better while making the Texans pick from the Browns worse worse yeah it's it's actually incredible uh that they you're really in a lose-lose situation if you're the Houston Texans on that day well or it, are you 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 can't lose that's that's the other way of looking at it i guess if you win the game you have more wins, and now your pick got worse. But they lost, so your other pick got better. Granted, it's you're the worst team, unless they come in here at some ungodly record of 4-8, and eight, which would be an absolute shock. Well, and the best part is his uh, six-game stretch, if that's what it ends up indeed being, that's the easiest part of their schedule. That's where, awful. And yeah. it's it almost, almost is believable that the NFL did, did that on purpose. But I won't go that far. They, they get to play Baker Darnold, the uh, <laughs> hunter of older women, a team with no starting quarterback, a team with a rookie starting quarterback, or Marcus Mariota. Then they play the Chargers and Patriots. What was the first, What was the second one that you mentioned? Uh, the how did you describe? Homie Hopper? Okay, that's more. That's more like it. Like the it. Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers. The Falcons, unless the Texans are involved, that's just about the worst 
four quarterbacks you could play in consecutive weeks. That's a four and two record at worst for Jacoby Brissett, right? With the team he has behind him on both sides. I mean, he's honestly, you guys all saw him play last year. If you were paying attention to the Texans Dolphins game, he's atrocious. He's abysmal. I can't believe Unless people... he plays the Texans. He was awful against the Texans. He was embarrassingly bad Not in the, the game against the... That was 100 years ago. I'm just saying. Last year, he played a terrible Texans team, yeah. and he was awful against their miserable defense. Well, is their defense... He's terrible. Is their defense all that better this year? Um, he's not playing the Texans. He's playing these other teams. He's bad. They should not win games All right, with him you have a point there, Wex. <laughs> but other than that... Week one of the NFL season, yeah. he's probably the worst starting quarterback on the field. Uh, the worst. Number 32. Huh? It's not even close? It's not even close. He's the worst quarterback in the There's NFL. There's got to be somebody else that's on that level. Why? The other guys are starters. He's a backup. I'm going to find one during the break. Uh, Geno Smith, maybe. He ain't he, starting week one. He ain't one. starting, is he? He could. Okay, so then he, maybe he, could. he could. I just I knew there were some really stinky quarterbacks in the NFL this year. All right, so clearly we have a lot to get to. It's also a day we get to empty the notebook because the Texans were oh on the field gosh. today for the first time in pads. Now, granted, I can't be dismissive of significant NFL news as it pertains to the Texans' 2023 and 24 draft. So, granted, we will talk to Sean Watson. But we will also talk about the team that plays here, the Texans. Yeah, that he does not play for anymore. And never will again. All right. Uh, I want to tell you guys about Berkeley Eye Center because at Berkeley Eye Center, it is all about freeing yourself from glasses and contacts, from finance charges, and saving money on LASIK because that's what you can do at Berkeley Eye Center. And what you want to do uh, first and foremost, and I would direct you to their website anyways, regardless of what kind of offers they have going on. They always do have offers going on at Berkeley Eye Center, but you're talking about LASIK, and you're talking about savings with regards to LASIK. And so what you want to do is go to BECLASIK.com for your chance to save on the LASIK procedure while getting the vision of your dreams. You're talking about better than 2020 vision. And I can personally attest to this because back in 2008, I made the life-changing, and I don't use that term lightly, the life-changing decision to walk into the doors there uh, at Berkeley Eye Center, the location off of Wesleyan, just north of Richmond, went and had the LASIK procedure done, and everybody I've talked to about this subject ever since, I've said, listen, this is something you definitely want to pull the trigger on. It is life-changing because you're not using this, those glasses anymore. You're not having your eyes dried out because those contact lenses have been in too long. Uh, you guys know, if you wear glasses, if you wear contacts, you know all about the inconveniences, and that's where Berkeley Eye Center can come in with their LASIK procedure, give you that better than 2020 vision, and do so at a much better and affordable price than anyone else out there without skimming on any of the technology and the quality, obviously. It's BECLASIK.com. That's BECLASIK.com to learn how you can get better than 2020 vision with Berkeley Eye Center. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise. 
challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Adam and Adam. Well, I'm sorry. Adam wanted top billing, so excuse me here. Adam and Adam. The 1880. Back to Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler on Sports Talk 790. All right, the A-Team rolling along on a Monday. Welcome to August. You know what I love about the fact that it's August, by the way, Wex? What do you love about the fact that it's August, Clanton? We are that much closer to our two weeks of winter. It's the stupid blowtorch that continues is that much closer to being over with. You know that September is the new August here, right? I mean, I actually thought it was a pretty mild year up until the last like five or six weeks when it's been nonstop hundies. Right, that's the problem I have. That's okay. I live every in the wrong year, city. Every year is a little different. Yeah, no, for like, sure. Much of this year was actually pretty good, as in yes. better than usual. Yeah, no, no, for and sure. And then it became worse than usual. Soon we'll be out of that. Hopefully. Well, definitely. Well, hurricane season's around the corner. I just don't, I have a bad feeling. That a hurricane's going to hit? Yeah. What's going to happen? It's going to be bad. So water damage? Yeah. And property damage? Mm-hmm. But everyone will be fine? Mm-hmm. I think so. I hope so. It will be. All right, let's get to uh, the part of this that pisses me off the most. You ready? The the Deshaun Watson decision comes down, and one of the aspects of this that uh, the Judge Robinson explained, I guess, um, and again, as Wex mentioned, head on over to uh, our blog page, sportstalk790.com. You can see the entire 16-page document that explains why Deshaun Watson only, in my opinion, only, uh, got six games. The court, Judge Robinson in this case, took, as we mentioned in the first segment, uh, prior NFL punishments into account. And Judge Robinson said that the nonviolent aspects of the case did not warrant a year-long suspension, like the NFL, as you mentioned, had kind of put forth as something they were considering. Um, it, based on the league's prior handling. It is undisputed that Watson's conduct does not fall into the, into the category of violent, which would require a minimum six-game suspension. It likewise is undisputed that prior cases involving nonviolent sexual assault have resulted in discipline far less severe than what the NFL proposes here, with the most severe penalty being a three-game suspension for a player who had been previously warned about his conduct. Can I yes. interrupt only to say... Is she referencing these or looking at these? I don't think she's doing anything based on what has happened previously. She's merely noting what has happened previously under completely different meeting out of punishment eras well, in the CBA and, and in gonna, the NFL. I'm going to get to a part of that. that This, this actually is going to be what makes my blood boil the most about this, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, she went on to say, while it may be entirely appropriate to more to more severely uh, disciplined players for nonviolent sexual conduct, I do not believe it is appropriate to do so without notice of the extraordinary change this position portends for the NFL and its players. And again, said that the most severe punishment for a nonviolent sexual situation, which is what this is considered, was three games. 
and that was to a player who had been warned of his behavior while Watson is a first-time offender. This is what really irritates me. She notes that basically restitution had been paid as Deshaun sat out the 2021 season. You know why that drives me crazy, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Because I don't he think was that's gonna, he what was she not going to play anyways. Although Mr. Watson did not play during the 2021 season, the commissioner declined to put him on an administrative leave under which any games missed would be credited against any suspension later imposed. So isn't she saying, I don't care that he didn't play last year. It's totally irrelevant. Okay, then there are others that have basically said he's yeah. already been suspended right. for People a year. Who don't know what they're talking exactly. about. Exactly. So why does that make your blood boil? Because it has nothing to do with the decision. Well, because there are people today that are in trying to defend him, and Joe dealt with one on the uh, caller line earlier. It, it's that has nothing to do with it, right? That's all you need to explain to people. Yes, Joe. Uh, breaking news: uh, Dan Connolly. This was retweeted by Ken Rosenthal. Don't know who is involved on Houston Astros' end, but Orioles will get multiple players in exchange for Trey Mancini. Yeah! See, earlier today when I think I was listening to... Oh, it was when Chandler was on with uh, Joe and Ross during the Matt Thomas show. And he was discussing, you know, there's only certain teams, Washington and, and Pittsburgh and the Royals. This would be another team, some would say, that are obviously sellers. The Orioles aren't obviously sellers, would have loved to see Cedric Mullins here, but we all know why that couldn't happen. And that's why when they were discussing this, I was almost surprised that name was not brought up. You want the other breaking news, Joe? Uh, yes, I yep. can get that one too. Uh, the New York Yankees are acquiring two players from the Oakland A's, Frankie Montas and Trevino. They're closer. So we'll address the Yankees situation in a bit and appreciate uh, Major League Baseball and the Astros from uh, sending us in a different direction, at least for a little bit. So we can talk about that since that's awesome and fun. And the other stuff isn't awesome. It's definitely not fun. Trey Mancini, who probably is a story most of you uh, know, but the baseball side of it, after missing the COVID season, see, he tried to recover from leukemia. Uh, this particular season, he's been okay. He was really, really good in 2019. The last two seasons, he's been okay. 21 homers, 71 RBIs in 21 this year in you know, 92 games, has 41 RBIs and OPS almost the same both years of about 755. His overall OPS in his career is right under 800. Uh, he bats right. He throws right. He can play the outfield. He can play first base. Obviously, he can be your designated hitter. Only 13 of his games have been played in the outfield this year. The other 29 at first and the other 50-plus as their designated hitter. But if you're looking for the Astros to add a bat, that is it, at least. He's an everyday player. While Michael Brantley is unavailable, and he will be unavailable again tonight and for many days to come, I would expect Trey Mancini to be in the lineup a lot not necessarily at the expense of Yuli Gurriel, but much more likely at the expense of either Jake Myers or Chaz McCormick. Because Jordan Alvarez continues to play, but not the field. He's the designated hitter for the Astros right now and has been almost exclusively since his return from his 10-day stint on the IL. But what Jake Myers has been doing at the plate is definitely troublesome. Uh, the fact that Chaz McCormick is 
awesome against lefties and terrible against righties. Uh, does help necessitate a move like this. I don't think it closes the door on Josh Bell, ex- especially what if, if they the, got him too. Well, if the Astros know something of greater significance than they will acknowledge about Michael Brantley, you still could have an opening for both if you're not yet sold on Yuli being your everyday first baseman for the rest of the year and on into the postseason, even though since June 23rd, he's leading the Astros in hitting. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I he's was... hitting just below 300, and that's a little over a month's worth of time. His move and his move to the two hole has been a good one. He's gotten on base a ton. Uh, he's hitting almost 400. Small sample size, just five games. Tonight will be six. He is hitting in the two hole again. You've seen an uptick in both Guriel and Bregman of late. It's funny the three guys most oft mentioned in deals: Yuli Guriel to be replaced. Jake Odorizzi potentially to be moved, and Jose Urquidy similarly potentially to be moved. Urquidy's been awesome for well over a month. Odorizzi bounced back from his poor start with an awesome start, and Gurriel's having the best month of his entire season. But Trey Mancini, according to one of the Orioles beat writers, Dan Connolly, is on his way to Houston. Seeking further details. Call him by his new, well, his old but now new nickname here in Houston. We got to call him Boom Boom, right? Because that's what he's going to bring. Uh, he, okay. What? I mean, you haven't I, heard him called that before? I mean, I know why he's called that, but you I mean, don't wanna, like you don't I said, he was awesome in 2019. He had 35 homers. This year, I think he and Martin Maldonado have the same number. I bet that changes. He has 10. I bet that changes in this lineup. Could be. It's This is awesome, I think. I know what I, you're I, saying. No, I totally agree. I'm just... I don't consider him a, a thumper. You're not going to call like him that. Boom Boom until you've seen a little bit more uh, If he action. hits 10 homers with the Astros in 50-some games, I might. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, that is huge news, obviously, and we will continue to uh, delve into it as we continue on a uh, suddenly even more jam-packed action edition of a Monday version of the A-Team. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You don't have to be a pimp to get your lady to work. At your command, Mr. Bun B. She's always willing and able to give me what I want. I will play you Houston sports. That's right. Just ask your smart device to play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. I am always giving it away for free. Alexa, keeping it trill for the OG as usual. Sit down. So I think the funniest thing about the fact that the Astros have reportedly just traded for uh, Trey Mancini is that 
Our own Chandler Rome basically gave the fan base a heart attack in the middle of all this by saying that Alex Bregman uh, was not in the lineup or was no longer in the lineup. But then he went ahead and explained that the Bregmans collectively are in labor right now. His wife's in labor. They're going to have a new child. They're in labor and delivery collectively. She's the only one in labor. The Bregmans are in labor. Yeah, see, uh, someone said that to me and Dana when JJ was getting born. And I was like, I don't think that's accurate. She's so were in you, labor. Okay, so you were down with being excluded from that yeah, accurately. I, I, I'm getting Chick-fil-A so like she can have Chick-fil-A when she's done. Well, that's that's nice what you were doing? Well, not like during labor, but before oh. labor. <laughs> what, what, what were you doing during labor? Uh, assisting? Assisting. There you go. Good job. Me too. How'd yeah. that go? For a different woman. My it's woman. okay. I went in thinking that that was going to be... <laughs> yes, you obviously not. went in. How else would there be a kid? I'll just let that simmer for about three to five seconds so everybody can appreciate it, including Joe, who's now having a heart attack and needs oxygen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I went in thinking that that's what I was going to be doing. And then we had a little bit of issues, yeah. so it had to be a different way. Yeah, that's funny to Which me is, is that I was in there. Had, huh. Like most things, I don't even think about it. I'm just there, whatever. I never gave it a thought. I didn't think I wouldn't be in there. I didn't think they'd ask me to leave. I just was there because, you know, it's the missus. It's the kid. And then all of a sudden, oh, can you do this? And then I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. I, Knowing you the way I do, I would have given so much money to be able to <laughs> Be a fly on the wall to see you. I don't want to see anything else. I think I, I had left leg duty. Left leg duty? Same. Yeah. See, I don't know what that is because I didn't get to do that. Well, that's okay. What I does think, that mean? Anyone see the return yet on the Trey Mancini deal? Yeah. What? So Trey Mancini, been looking at some of the splits and some of the things that might look better than others, and unfortunately not a whole lot of consistency the last two years. Right-handed hitter, uh, but his splits against lefties are rather disappointing this year. So he'll actually fit right in with what the Astros have been doing, which is shocking. They have a right-handed heavy lineup. Now, granted, their two most productive hitters are lefties, normally. Tucker, who's been awful, god-awful in July, and Jordan, and most of the time Brantley. But they've won a lot of games against lefties, good winning percentage against lefties. They should be hitting better, and in the past... They've hit better, and that's also how Mancini fits in. Almost a 900 OPS against lefties last year, but he's dropped off significantly this year. His career numbers are a little bit better than that. Uh, he ranked third on their team in hard-hit ball percentage at 42-4 over the course of this season. As that relates to the Astros, at least in terms of one number we could look at, I just bring it up a lot here on the show because I think it's relative to how uh, players hit. Alvarez, Brantley, and Martin Maldonado. The only Astros with a better hard hit percentage than the newly acquired Trey Mancini. So he rates very well in terms of how he fits into this lineup, uh, in terms of things like that. That normally produces, again, more hits. You know, your batting average of balls in play can fluctuate from year to year. But this is a, a plus player. He makes lineups better. He's one of the reasons why they have been in the race. But this is also them recognizing where they are. It's one of the few teams that didn't expect to be in the race, is taking it slow with their rebuild, but knows it's coming. And with Michael Elias there, formerly of the Astros, their GM, I think he's correctly taking a part of this year's team, potentially you know, putting a little bit of a kick in their sails, but making them better equipped to truly compete next year. And we'll find out the real answer to that when we find out which 
of his former prospects, potentially, has he acquired for his new team? Or It's not new anymore. He's been there for years. But if these prospects or players they're adding from the team here in Houston have been here a while, then he'll certainly know them well. Jeff Passan has mentioned the Astros trade. He is slobbering all over the Yankees trade. Um, I mean, we might, he might need oxygen. Um, is there anybody that would be outgoing to the Orioles in this deal that would make you think, oh, no? Well, yeah, but I, I don't think they would be necessary. I don't think he would have needed to trade them to get Trey Mancini. Um, I could... I could be wrong, but I don't think Hunter Brown is somebody. That it would, shouldn't cost you Hunter Brown to get Trey Mancini. I guess that's what I'm wondering. Like, shouldn't cost you Jane or Diaz to get Trey Mancini. I wouldn't think. I would hope not. I, I don't think that would be a worthwhile endeavor if that's what they did. Beyond that, you're, you know, I have different feelings about some of their prospects, and that's why these deals actually do get made. Like Diaz is, hasn't been in the Astros top ten ever, and he's their third best offensive prospect. He's probably the third best prospect on the whole team. But even when they updated it lately, he's still not ahead of Corey Lee, who's in the top five. I think that's preposterous. Do you? Think but I this- don't know how other teams view some of their prospects, and I think they actually have said this for probably the whole season. I know where they're ranked, and it's in the bottom eight or nine, and I know what the general thought is because of those rankings. I know their system isn't great, but I think it's incredibly underrated. I think there are way more prospects, especially how other teams view this system, than these rankings would suggest. Um, why is it taking so long to figure out who they gave up? This never happens. I don't. I don't. I mean, there's a couple other deals that were made today that were the very same way. Like it didn't seem like it was immediate when we determined who the Brewers got back for the best left-handed reliever in baseball. Still. He's the best left-handed reliever in baseball, isn't he? No, I'm saying we still don't know. No, we do. No, we do now. I just don't think it was a little bit. Okay, I was about to say. How long was a little bit, though? I did not stop watch it. You're always on Twitter. I figured you would know, like, right offhand. I mean, I think the first time, I I, I don't know. I am always on Twitter, but I don't have anybody timestamp. If Forrest Whitley is in this deal, are you upset? No, but I would be surprised if he were in it also. How can another team design? He can't be the headliner. He's currently not pitching. So, is there anybody on the current roster that went back? Well, it would have. If this it's, is fun, considering we don't know what the deal is yet. Well, you'd have, you know, tomorrow night is maybe the second to last time Lance McCullers will pitch before he could be an Astro again. He will pitch on Tuesday night for Sugarland. Opposite. He will pitch against the Round Rock Express and making his Round Rock Express <laughs> debut in 2022 on the Constellation Field bump. Will be Dallas Keuchel. Nostalgia night. I mean, at Constellation Field. I'm all for Keuchel just doing whatever he can to f- find his way back to the majors, but he's not pitching in the majors again this year, uh, so I don't expect that to be a, a long evening for him. I would hope, but nonetheless, that also probably means McCullers pitches again on Sunday in that series, quite possibly, and then he's going to be on the Astros if all goes well. I think. No, I, I So agree. that gives you seven. If we can get from today till Sunday, as of today, Monday, you have six healthy starters. He would make seven if they all stay healthy one more time. You can obviously afford to have one of them not here anymore. Well, I also think you really got to start factoring. You know, listen to James Click the last two weeks when he's been on with uh, Robert Ford on the pregame show on Sundays. 
the way he talks about Hunter Brown and the way he's talked about him with Salisbury as well, it just it feels like he should be up. If this was any other team, it's the way Luno talked about Tucker for yeah, so many years. It's just it feels like guess who's going to for a reason. Guess who's going to help the Astros after the deadline? Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown is yeah. going to help this team win this year and potentially in the playoffs this year. That's exciting. It should be very, very exciting. It's amazing. And I'll say with extreme confidence, and I'll put myself in a three-minute microphone-off timeout if Hunter Brown is in this deal. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, there is there is an aspect of this deal that a lot of people are actually asking us about that we'll get to uh, when we come back. And Ben Verlander at the top of the hour to now discuss this on top of all things otherwise when it comes to the Astros and Major League Baseball. We will get to all of that as we continue here on a Monday edition of the A-Team Sports Talk 790. But you know what? If you are heading down to the ballpark tonight, Red Sox-Astros going to hook up for the opener of their three-game set. You're looking for a place to stop off on your way to the game. How about six blocks away over at Solacita, 413 Travis Street, right there on the corner of Travis and Prairie, right next door to Frank's Pizza, and right where you're going to be able to start smelling the churros as you walk through the door because they are right there at the front. Before you ever even get inside, you'll see the churros truck, and they are out there. I don't have to tell you how fantastic churros are. But I do have to tell you how fantastic the ones at Solacita are, and that's just the the start. That's just the very tip of the iceberg when it comes to their menu over there, Wex. Yeah, the tacos are something special. Carne asada, Mexican chorizo, pork chicharron, that's the capuchanos, tacos, beef burrito tacos, awesome as well, tortas, tacos, frozen concoctions, beer and seltzer, all there at Solacita, along with the awesome churros by the single, by a pack of four, or maybe by the dozen. Enjoy your churros as you're enjoying Astros baseball, TVs inside and out, indoor seating, outdoor seating, and the rooftop deck, or on your way to Minute Maid Park. It's just six blocks away, corner of Travis and Prairie, 413 Travis Street. Of course, that means it's right next to Frank's Pizza. It's Solicita. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Adam and Adam, the A-team in the afternoon. What a came up with that idea? Possibly Adam. Back to Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler on Sports Talk 790. Yeah! Yeah! couple of things as we are uh, awaiting the details, what they could be as far as actual players that went back to the Orioles and the Trey Mancini deal. Uh, one thing that a lot of people have tweeted in, and I tend to agree with this, see what your thoughts are, Wex. 
Is this basically an indicator that Michael Brantley's not going to play again this year? No, I think it's an indicator that they're not going to go anywhere with Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick playing every single day. That's fair, but I mean, we just got done watching him throw but not catch on Friday at Minute Maid Park. And the last report before that was that he wasn't comfortable after trying to swing a bat. And it's August 1st. I just... And it's not like he was lighting the world on fire before that. Maybe it was because of the injury, but... He was having a good season. Yeah, but like... I don't know. I just... I think this. Fa- I think that does factor into this some. I think it factors in that they don't know. I don't okay, think this fair. means he's out. I think they... Well, they've told us they don't know because... And we, we watched it. We talked about it on Friday. He can't, they are unwilling, the athletic and performance staff, the medical staff, they are unwilling to let him catch baseballs. That's not what they want him doing right now, catching a baseball. Because that's one of the things he was not doing while he was running uh, around the bases in the outfield and throwing the baseball with his good arm and shoulder. Uh, but the right arm where his glove is, they didn't have him catching. That is That is pretty alarming. At this stage of the season, but there are still two months of season left. There are still, you know, a good chunk of season is still a good chunk of season. So I don't, I don't think it closes the door on that. And it is kind of odd if that were the case. And they have that feeling today when it was less than a week ago that James Click right here on our air kind of jumped back and said, no, 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 no. When asked if Michael Brantley was going to be out for the year. He could have said, we're evaluating everything. We're, you know, Obviously, it's taken a little bit longer than we thought, but you know, he really was, he sounded pretty emphatic in his, no, 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 no. It's nothing like that at all. Uh, but yeah, time does run out. And not only that, even if he's able to come back in September, you don't know what he's going to be like in October. And the Astros are playing October baseball this year. It's pretty pretty clear. So I think this is a, is a smart play to protect from that. I don't think it automatically means that, but it allows for them to put a competitive team out there with or without uh, Michael Brantley, I would think, because now they at least have a proven player. Trey Mancini in your everyday lineup is, is winning baseball. It hasn't been in Baltimore because most of the rest of the lineup hasn't been. This year it has. He's been, like I said earlier, I don't want to you know, speak ill of a deal that I'm absolutely like from the player. I don't know if I can say I like the deal yet or not because I don't know what the deal is, but he's fifth on the Orioles in RBIs this year. He's second or third on the team in strikeouts. He struck out 86 times in 92 games. He's fifth on the team in homers. He's fourth on the team in OPS. They have more productive players than him and his OPS is 750, 751. He's been all right, but it still is a huge upgrade from Sir strikes out a lot in center field, Jake Myers, and Chaz McCormick. So for the next however long, they have upgraded that position significantly if they're going to see the next 30 games with Trey Mancini out there. Yeah, and he does have a mutual option for $10 million for 2023. And this is definitely, you know, he was one of the players earlier this season that was pretty vocal about how bad of a ballpark Camden Yards is. He's going to love it here. According to Baseball (laughs) Savant, his 10 home runs this year, his expected home runs by ballpark would put him at 22 at Minute Maid Park, which means if he was here the whole time, a lot of his doubles at Camden Yards would be going to the Crawford boxes. Well, you remember we talked about his last home run. The the would not have been a home run in any ballpark except Williamsport. Yeah, because the player dropped it. It bounced off Josh Lowe's face. 
in right field. In the first! And he had a massive welt from where it popped him, but he's a right fielder, hit him in the face, bounded off to his left towards foul territory, so naturally the center fielder was nowhere near it, and Mancini rounded the bases. That's one of his ten home runs. Well, it still counts. It does still count. Yeah, but if he's hitting these deep doubles all the time, you know, and deep outs in Camden, and it's going to mean he's going to love the Crawford boxes, that's a huge advantage for him. I mean, we're gonna, I we're st- not going to make a bet. I know aren't we, baseball Lex? savant's not everything, but seeing someone's home run total is 10 and then their expected home runs by ballpark be 12 more makes me also just feel like this is he's going to love those Crawford boxes. We're going to make a bet, aren't well, we? Well, you Lex? can see his visuals. Does he hit 10. all those balls to left field? I mean, I would guess a lot of it is. Altuve does. Altuve is almost exclusively a left field <laughs> home run hitter. I know. That's why I bring that up. KBME Houston, KTBZ HD2 Houston, and iHeart Radio Station. Your home for your home teams. This is Sports Talk 790 from the Carbingo.com studios. Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam, talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are. The A-Team. Four o'clock hour is underway here on Sports Talk 790. It begins as scheduled with Ben Verlander. Flipping Blatt's podcast. And we knew we were going to talk about the Astros with Ben. We did not know that between the time we started the show and when we would bring him on an hour later, that Trey Mancini would be a member of the Houston Astros. Still waiting on the details, Ben. But uh, after saying welcome in... What's your initial reaction to a deal that was made almost simultaneously as the Yankees were trying to strengthen their side of things? I mean, isn't it isn't it poetic? The, the <laughs> Yankees, who have been the best team in baseball the majority of the year until they started running into the Astros a good bit, just they made their team a lot better at the trade deadline. Andrew Benintendi, Frankie Montas, Lou Trevino now, and then literally seconds later, Trey Mancini is announced. It's almost too poetic. You know those two deals were probably done already, but the fact that they were announced back-to-back like that is just really cool, I think, for the game of baseball. You have the clear two best teams in the American League. One team makes a move. The other team counters. Uh, Trey Mancini is such a good pickup, uh, can kind of play outfield or first base, which is a spot that the Astros can, can, can upgrade. And it's such a good pickup, and he's such a good human being and, and a good baseball player. And uh, I, I was really excited to see that he was going to Houston. A long time for him to try to get into a race, and he kind of did finally this year with the Orioles, but now he'll be doing so from an even more strong position as an Astro. Uh, one of your recent guests on the Flippin' Bats podcast, Ken Rosenthal, says it's part of a three-team deal, and one of the players heading out of Houston is Jose Siri, who's going to end up with Tampa as part of this three-team deal. Uh, do you think this is enough offense for the Astros, they've been linked to Josh Bell. They've been linked to a plus catcher. Odds are they will add at least a backup catcher and maybe bullpen. But do you think if it comes tomorrow's deadline and Mancini is the only Astros addition, does that sound like they did enough? Well, I think if you had asked me this a week ago, I would have said yes. With what the Yankees have done, uh, I, I think it is. I, I think there needs to be. Uh, another move, and I, I don't know what that move is. I do think the Astros are, are a complete team, and uh, I, a lot of people 
that don't know a lot about the Astros point to the catcher position, which I, I don't think an upgrade is necessary there. What Maldonado has meant to the Astros and that pitching staff for years now cannot be understated, and you can't quantify it, but it is unbelievable. The guy deserves to be an all-star for what he does for the team. Um, but elsewhere, I, I do think there there's room for improvement. I, I don't know where you look. Maybe maybe if you play Mancini in the outfield, and then I guess if you look, if in a perfect world you can play Mancini in an outfield position, you can play Josh Bell at first base if you get him, and you can DH Jordan, and then outfield wise you have Kyle Tucker and and Michael Brantley back when he's healthy. I think that's a perfect ideal world, and and on the Yankees side of things, they accomplished their perfect ideal world. They needed a an outfielder. They went and got an All Star. They needed a top line of the rotation guy. They got Frankie Montas. And they needed a bullpen help. And they got Lou Trevino, who is fantastic. So that is their perfect world scenario. The Astros haven't yet accomplished their perfect world scenario. It's kind of all, okay, we have a good team. Whatever we add now is icing on the cake. Well, now you need to get to that perfect world scenario to keep up with what the Yankees did, in my opinion. And adding a Josh Bell, playing him at first base, or it just gives you more versatility. You can play him at first base. You can DH him when Jordan plays the outfield. There's more options there. And I, I would like to see now the Astros make another move based off of what the Yankees have done. Yeah, and what's funny about the Yankees making the move for Montas is, well, it's a couple things. It's not Luis Castillo, which he is in the Astros division, um, but the Astros aren't going to play them again this year unless it is the postseason. But um, Montas's numbers against the Astros this year are not good. In fact, they're, they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, and and that matters, you know. And I know the Yankees. I, I know they know that. And it feels like right now, these two teams are preparing to play each other. They're preparing to play seven games against each other in October. That's what these moves are for. The Astros are playing to to face the Yankees, and the Yankees are planning to face the Astros. And yes, Frankie Montas is a great top end of the rotation guy. He's a really good pitcher, and. Look, numbers are numbers against certain teams. Obviously, sometimes they have your numbers, sometimes they don't. But that is something that is a little bit concerning if I'm the Yankees. is okay, we just acquired this guy. We already know we're going to win the AL East. We already know we're going to be the one or the two seed and get a bye in the American League. We know those things are true. So what you want to do is get a guy to prepare for the Astros. And it is a little concerning that the best guy available on the market, you went out and got him, but his numbers aren't fantastic against the Astros. That is true. Ben Verlander here, as always, on a Monday here on the A-Team, joining us to talk a little Major League Baseball one day out uh, from the MLB trade deadline. I thought it was kind of cool, so I tweeted it out yesterday. From July 1st to August 1st, the Seattle Mariners are undefeated, except when they play the Astros, who beat them <laughs> six out of seven times, which is incredible. 17-0 against everybody else. Uh, but 6-1 and one against the Astros during that period of time. Two things I thought yesterday as they're winning three out of four against the Mariners came to mind. One was they pretty much ended, I think, any hopes the Mariners had of catching the Astros by beating them those six times right out of the break. And two, thank goodness, no more opportunities for Scott Service to try to start a fight with the Astros. Why does it seem like his team... Even though I know what the numbers are, every other team in the division has hit his Mariners players a ton compared to them. You know, on the back foot and in the toe and in the hip, 
not up in the shoulder area where his pitchers keep hitting guys on the other team. Do you think there's an issue that they have? Do you think Scott Service is at fault? Am I making something out of nothing? You know, in terms of what happened with Altuve the other day, I don't think that was intentional, and that could be me being naive. I mean, look, like you said, the Mariners are 17-0 and against everybody else besides the Astros, and they're 1-6 and against them. So maybe there is some degree of, okay, we got in a fight earlier in the year with the Angels, and we went on a tear ever since. Maybe we should go on a fight with the Astros. <laughs> maybe there is some degree of that, but just based on their mannerisms, and, and look, they're smarter than this as well. They know cameras are going to be on them, so maybe their mannerisms were that way on purpose. But uh, it certainly didn't appear. Kirby did it on purpose, and service didn't appear to be, you know, he appeared to kind of shake his head, and his mannerisms didn't point to something you would assume, hey, yeah, we did this on purpose, let's go. So I, I think there's not a lot there, but I understand the thought process of, look, this is Altuve. It's our leadoff batter. It's, he's a guy that everybody outside of Houston likes to point to, even though that's extremely misguided and they don't know what they're talking about if they're talking about Altuve in terms of 2017 stuff. But I, I don't really understand the thought process here but behind the Mariners doing something. But, hey, maybe they were, and it clearly wasn't smart because – a few minutes later, Altuve was stealing home. <laughs> My doctorate in body language tells me that Scott's service was a little dismayed that about how Kirby executed that. Like, no, no, not like that. No, that's not what we were looking for there with that pitch. Come on, now it's ugh, now it's ruined. But we'll move on. Do you think what we're likely to see between now and the next 24 hours is more of what we're now just seeing? And because of that, maybe that's extra playoff spot or just the nature of how the season has gone, I suspect we're going to see a ton of trade activity even moving forward the next 24 hours. Do you uh, feel the same? I think it's going to get even crazier than what we've seen so far today because Juan Soto is the big piece dangling out there. And there's still three, four, five teams in on him. So whenever those teams get a feel for what is going to happen, whether the trade happens or whether they learn that they're out, then those teams are going to look elsewhere. So Juan Soto is the main domino here. And once he falls, oh, there's going to be a ton of action here. And, and he is the main domino. He's what we, he's, we've never seen anything like this. He's 23 years old and the best you know, the best hitter in, in the National League, I, I used to say in baseball, but Jordan's, Jordan has something to say about that in the American League now. But we've never seen anything like this. So he's kind of holding up the, the market in terms of big outfield bats that could be on the move. So I think things are going to get really crazy here in the next 25 hours until the deadline, and I, I couldn't be more pumped for it. I uh, texted you the other night after your brother's start. I just said he was a freak. I think you know that's a compliment. Um, I mean, every week we talk about this, and every week he's just gone out there and let's let's just say it. He, despite everything in, on his resume, he's defying the odds with what he's doing at his age and at this level. Elite, elite, elite stuff. Um, and doing it against you know competition at times that is incredible, and I think you would have to say that about the the Mariners um, because of how they've been playing. We just talked about their numbers, but uh, Justin Verlander is, in my opinion, I know there's other candidates out there far and away the Cy Young front runner, and I know you're biased, but I just I know there's a lot of baseball left. I, I just 
unless he has some spectacular flame out drop off coming, I don't know how you don't give him that award this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you know what you say? I know you're biased. And I would also just like to say, yes, of course I am. <laughs> Everybody out there that says, oh, you're biased towards your brother. Of course I am. Right. Of course I am. He's, all, he's my older brother. And, uh, you know, to be able to even have him in that conversation this year of, of Cy Young Award is really cool. And, and now... Look, I, I do believe the award should be his. And if you don't want to look at then things like, hey, this is unprecedented what he's doing coming off of Tommy John. He's 39 years old. He's having arguably the best season of his career, which is unbelievable. Uh, then we can look at the numbers just for this year. And in terms of what he has meant to his team, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that has done more. You know, Justin has 14 wins, leads all of baseball. He has the lowest ERA in all of baseball. If the Astros need a win, he's going out there throwing seven scoreless. If they need uh, the bullpen to rest, he's going out there throwing eight innings, giving up one run, and he's done this countless times this year. Uh, I mean, the, the numbers go on and on. It's hard to argue. And and I just, you know, I sit back and, and think about, you know, this the trade that happened in, in 2017 – when all is said and done, it's hard to look at a trade and say all time when it's when when we're currently seeing it. But how do you not look back in all time and say this is one of the best trades of all time for the Astros or worst trades of all time for for the Tigers? I mean, the return for the Tigers, unfortunately, hasn't been very good. And Justin, I mean, if you truly dive into the numbers, he's fifty-seven and eighteen in a Houston Astros uniform. I mean. Are you kidding me with that? That's unbelievable. And his ERA would be the lowest all-time in franchise history if it were to stop right now. So win percentage and ERA would be the best of all time for the franchise. He's won a World Series. He's won a Cy Young. He's been an All-Star multiple times. It is truly remarkable. And now after not pitching for two years, he's having a Cy Young caliber season. And in my opinion, he is the Cy Young Award winner in the American League. And that is no detriment or, or downplay to what Shane McClanahan has been doing uh, in Tampa or Dylan Cease or, or, or Garrett Cole. Those guys have been phenomenal. But I, I just think the award is Justin's right now. If the season ended today, obviously there's still a good bit of time left. But as of right now, I think it's Justin's award to win. And am I biased? Yes. But do I truly believe that? Also, yes. Well, as a matter of fact, Ben, on this past Friday's program, we actually did a draft. We do a draft every week, and the subject was best trades in Houston sports history. And one of the three of us selected the Justin Verlander trade, and the fans have voted, and that was the group of three selections that won the draft. So they would agree. <laughs> in fact, yes, one of the greatest trades in Houston sports history. You have a guest lined up this week for a wild one on flipping bats? Oh man, this week's a crazy one because of the uh, because of the the trade deadline. So I'm not exactly sure what we're going to be doing. There's a couple lined up for a Wednesday or a Friday episode, but nothing locked in. So I don't want to say anything. But potential Astro, so it could be really exciting there. Potential Astro, it could be a guy on the team, or who knows? Maybe it's somebody they haven't yet acquired. I can't wait to find out. Ben, appreciate the time <laughs> I as I can always. Say potential Astro about anybody right now. Exactly. The trade deadline. It could be true. Potential Astro, just trust me. Looking forward to your conversation with Josh Bell. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that is uh, Ben Verlander here on Sports Talk 790. Appreciate it as always, Ben, and uh, we'll catch up next week after everybody knows who they're going to the playoffs with. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, fellas. It was fun. All right, Ben Verlander here on Sports Talk 790. The good 
the bad, and the ugly. We'll get to that when we come back next on Here on the A-Team. Now, the good. Oh, good. The bad. That's not good. And the ugly. Don't make me get ugly. With the A-Team. We're showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly. Segment time on a Monday. But before we get to the good, the bad, and the ugly, great conversation with Ben Verlander. Our reaction to the deal can all be found on our website at sportstalk790.com and our podcast. For those of you that aren't already, go ahead and click the subscribe button and fire it up. Every time we launch a new podcast, whether that's our daily programming or our phenomenal interviews or witty banter or fights, It'll be right there in our podcast, so if you're subscribing to it, you'll automatically be notified, and then you can start working out to listen to us yell. The deal, as reported, is as follows. Three-team deal. The Astros give up two players, Jose Siri and Chase McDermott. Siri, of course, has been playing with the Space Cowboys. McDermott's been playing in Asheville, which is the Astros' high-A team. Uh, one of their better pitching prospects, but again, only an A ball and not having a particularly successful season. Uh, those two players go out. Siri goes to Tampa. McDermott goes to Baltimore. Baltimore also gets Seth Johnson from Tampa. He's also a pitcher. And the Astros land Trey Mancini and a right-handed pitcher from the Rays. His name is Jaden Murray. Uh, Murray's been... Pretty good uh, up until recently, and I've got to figure out exactly what's going on with him because the last two seasons, as a biscuit, he was dealing. Uh, that's their double-A team for Tampa. His two seasons, partial seasons in double-A, were uh, pretty good, pretty successful, uh, just right around a strikeout per inning uh, for those that team over the past two seasons. But... I think he may have just been promoted to Durham, is why he's barely pitched there. Still looking into it, uh, not one of their elite prospects currently, but an additional player in the deal, somebody that probably just helps them with depth, I would guess. Obviously, they got a player who is a proven major leaguer to help their major league product while giving up nothing that affects their major league product, unless you, like me, thought there was a chance that Jose Siri could help this team in the playoffs as a defensive replacement and as a pinch runner and things like that, which I definitely did, but that's probably not a big enough reason to be in at all upset that he's one of the players they moved out. Well, he started World Series games for you last year. Um, but if he... We just got finished two segments worth of talking about how bad McCormick and Myers are <laughs> and series behind them. Right. And this has happened. This is where series been, unfortunately. Yeah. He was like this in Cincinnati, which is why he was available to the Astros. And he was like this with the Astros, which is why he's available uh, in this deal to Tampa. Super fun player. Very likable player. He makes the game fun. He always does something. And now he will do it for a team that might use him in the postseason against the Astros. All right. The good. I mean, we just talked about it. But this guy went seven and two-thirds. Allowed five hits, struck out five, and got his uh, MLB leading 14th win. Justin Verlander. He I just We just talked about this with his brother, Ben. Um, I know that, you know, McClanahan is, is the... Wasn't it crazy, too, by the way, that he was on his way to having a lower ERA until that seventh inning when he gave up the uh, the one run? 
But yeah, he had just passed McClanahan before they sent him back out there. He gave up the run. He fell right barely back behind barely. him, although he lowered his own ERA. But we were here last week when, when you talked, do you think he'll be in his way? And I go, no, McClanahan won't be in his way. He'll have his bad start. Now, he might have more bad starts, but he just had his bad start. Bad start. And that's why Verlander now leads him in ERA because McClanahan's last outing, less than five innings, four and a third, gave up five earned runs. ERA over two. Boom. There it is. Now, Justin could still have another bad game or whatever, but I I don't know. Like, lately? Well, he, he could because he can't face the Mariners anymore. He only beat them five times this year. That was my favorite part of all of the dumbs that were tweeting from their fan base this weekend. Well, clearly you only start just... like. That's the way the schedule lined up. You really they, think they, the do Astros... mani- they do manipulate their schedule. Yeah, they don't do that so they hope no. they up against the Mariners. No, what, how it worked out is the the Astros' schedule changed a little bit. It allowed them to have Valdez and Verlander pitch against them, mm-hmm. which would have happened anyway if the Yankees never got put on the schedule for those two doubleheader games. Because but since they're they on, weren't since there, since we're on the subject, look but, what he did against the Yankees in, in the Bronx. I mean, he's awesome. This yeah, not he's he's had two thing. starts where he wasn't phenomenal. One of them was against the Mariners, what ironically. Are, which and his numbers against the Mariners are still unbelievable. That was definitely good. I don't think there's any question uh, about it. Um, I don't think it's. I don't know if it fits or not, but I'm going to take it away from Joe if he was thinking he could have it. I'll just leave it as bad. In the the entire Deshaun Watson situation, it was inevitable. It was going to be bad when the result of the decision from Judge Robinson came out. Uh, It's going to be bad when the NFL appeals. It's going to be bad when they determine what the final suspension is. And it's going to be bad until probably sometime around when he plays in Houston or 2023. Because it is, people are going to move on, unfortunately. Uh, they will probably think little of this, which is also bad, especially for those that were involved beyond Watson, who, as part of Robinson's 16-page report, notes he denies any and all wrongdoing and shows no remorsefulness for anything that's taken place, her words. It's a bad thing. It's a bad situation. It's bad for everybody that's involved, league included, Texans included. The individuals, obviously, the plaintiffs included, but the next step was taken today. Yeah, it's all bad. I don't think there's anything good. So, my turn? Uh, you're ugly, so yes. Wow. All right. What floor are we going to? Uh, we are Jeez. going back to uh, August 1st, 2016. Happy anniversary to the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, that trade's yeah. ugly. That is ugly for, for the, the Dodgers. Dodgers. Can What's we go for? to the Astros game notes from today? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So the Astros put this date in Astros history, <laughs> August 1st, in their game notes today, as they do for every day. And it reads as follows, 2016 dash. At the trading deadline, the 55 and 49 Astros, who are six games out in the AL West, trade right-handed pitcher Josh Fields to the Dodgers in exchange for 19-year-old outfielder Jordan Alvarez. Fields was at AAA at the time, while Alvarez had yet to appear in a minor league game after signing with the Dodgers in June of 2016. Alvarez has blossomed into a perennial MVP candidate, while Fields pitched parts of three seasons with the Dodgers. That's very good, but that's not just the only anniversary we're going to talk about here. Uh, Happy anniversary to at Texans Fuzz 414 in reply to Brian McTaggart breaking the news. Tweeted, sweet. Maybe he can help us out in another three years. 
What a disappointing deadline. At HOU underscore sports fan. Trade deadline over. We get poop emoji. Texans land Beltron LaCroix. Luno, a rebuild GM. Not a GM (laughs) to win a championship. Thank God Texans are back. And lastly, here, let's go out to at LSU Cam. Why would we trade for another infield slash outfielder? What's the infield part? I don't understand. When Derek Fisher is going to be good and A.J. Reed can be our future at first base. Come on, Luno failure. Who allowed this to happen? Makes me sick knowing we got to develop another player and lose a great guy like Fields. Happy anniversary. Some of the worst takes of all time. That was your version of old takes exposed? Yeah, we're going to. And he's going to. Freezing be cold the, old takes exposed? And I believe he'll be coming on the show at some point this week or next week. FCT? Yeah, talk about his new book. Oh, what's it about? Uh, freezing cold takes. <laughs> Gets right to the point, I guess. Yep. So happy anniversary to the Dodgers and to those people. Like, and by the way, they're being connected with Juan Soto now, which would just be insane if they landed him. It's like the Astros going out and trading for Verlander Cole and Granky in, in three consecutive years. It sounds like, well, that's why we kept referring to them as the new evil empire. Every, uh, they're right. already awesome and they keep doing this, but it, it makes people here not realize what the Dodgers have been doing. The same thing. I mean, the Nationals gifted them Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. They've added some insane talent while being awesome, just like the Astros have over the last handful of years. And certainly this would definitely be the case if that happened. I mean, it's, you might want to upgrade from Bellinger if you can. Soto would be an upgrade. Soto in a month could do what Bellinger has done all season. He can smoke that much weed? On the baseball time. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that would be... Well, it is 4.30, so 10 minutes more of smoking today for Bellinger. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. He's hitting 207. I take it back. So you shorted him? Yeah. 649 OPS, 207 hitter. We salute you, former National League MVP, 26-year-old. It's all over for you, Cody Bellinger. Do you think it's over? Well, this is three straight years of badness. So he was cheating, and that's why he was so good before? I don't know. I said that, not Adam Wexler. Adam Clanton said that. It would just be hilarious if that were the case. You know what's not hilarious? Joint pain that's chronic. Joint pain that is keeping you from living your active lifestyle. And joint pain that is still existing in your world because you haven't called 713-913-5285. We're talking about QC Kinetics, which means you're getting lasting pain relief. You're getting it without the use of steroids, painkillers, and without having to go through surgery and the downtime that comes with it. That is what they can provide you at QC Kinetics. They do things a little bit differently over there. Yeah, time to learn. Learn about regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics because it can change your life. Make this the last summer, as it winds down, that you suffer from chronic pain. If you're sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or hips or back, 713-913-5285 for QC Kinetics. You're going to call them about a free, that's right, free consultation and get yourself on the way, the road to exciting, new, natural way to deal with joint pain. No side effects, no downtime. They've got clinics right here in Houston, and they can change your life for the better. 
at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics, call them at 713-913-5285. 713-913-5285. Get that free consultation lined up. 713-913-5285 for QC Kinetics. iHeartRadio, the free app for your music. Your stations like Sports Talk 790 and number one for podcasting. I'm sorry, and Brian Lalima just tweeted something similar. The Astros basically traded Jose Siri and a high A prospect in Chase McDermott for Trey Mancini, and I know he's a rental. By the way, well, what, they have the option to pay him ten million dollars next year. So that's what it comes down to. But like, if he plays well, the Astros will say okay. No, I think it depends on what you think of Yuli Gurriel, because he's a free agent. Right, so if you if you don't think Yuli can bounce back, but what if you still go out and get Josh Bell? Because they could. Sure. Well, that changes well, but everything. Michael Brantley's a free agent too. Yeah, where they are mm-hmm. right now is you're probably keeping one of the two, Mancini or Yuli. Because Mancini is no real negotiation. It's just let's pay him ten million dollars, and we'll agree the mutual option will kick in. They won't buy him out, and he'll probably then be your first baseman if you're not willing to pay Yuli seven million, eight million, which is the neighborhood of what he signed each of the last two years. One year he was a batting champion, the other year not the batting champion. And Michael Brantley's not here. Has anybody else besides Alvarez and Tucker confirmed that they must be one of the four outfielders slash DHs for next year? That's the hope. Over the next two months plus playoffs, can somebody do that? Can you know, Myers or McCormick, now that Siri's not a part of things, can they do that? Is anybody else possibly ready to take that step? And that's one reason, among a several, why I still think, yeah, Josh Bell's not off the table. I don't think these two players that they now long, no longer have as potential tradable assets and are, are preventing that. I think you have other prospects like McDermott, who is a low A ball or a high A ball pitcher, and Jose Siri. I, again, I don't consider Jose Siri a prospect. I consider him a 4A player. Absolutely tearing the cover off the ball with the Space Cowboys this year. Can't hit at As the Major that, League level. So right. it's it's he's not a 22-year-old kid. He didn't just get promoted to AAA. He's been in AAA. I bet the first time he played AAA baseball was at least five years ago with the Reds. Uh, that's just not where he is and who he is anymore. So it, it is. I'm not trying to throw him away, but it doesn't impact what you're doing as a team this year or any year. It just limits uh, how many players you have. But it does also point something else out that I was talking about earlier today and throughout the last week. How do other play other teams' front offices view your players? I don't think the Rays love Jose Siri, but they were willing to go get him in a deal, and odds are he's not playing AAA baseball anymore. He's going to play for them. He's going to play center field for them, and they're going to give him every chance to you know, be a guy that can help them because they're in the all three teams that made this deal mm-hmm. are in the playoff hunt. The right, Rays and Orioles crazy. are in the wild card hunt, and the Astros are going to have the first or second seed in the AL playoffs. Is, I mean, I'm wondering if it was an initial conversation between the Astros and the Orioles, and they weren't getting where they needed to get to, and that's why this became a three-team deal, or... Was it always a three-team deal because James Click called his old buddies in Tampa and said, let's get this going? Well, I mean, there's a little, there's a relationship all the way around since Elias is a former Astro and Click oh, yeah. is a former Ray. But you also have to consider none of the players we've so far mentioned 
and we've mentioned every player in the deal but one, that one is the best prospect in the deal. Seth Johnson's the best prospect in the deal, and while he's thought of very highly, he's unfortunately not going to be helping anybody in the near future because he's likely set for a season of no baseball following Tommy John surgery. But he's still, again, we've seen, especially younger pitchers, uh, you have Tommy John surgery and doesn't derail your career, it just postpones it. Uh, he's the best prospect in the deal, and that's the the Orioles add in this deal. They gave up the next best player, and certainly the only established major leaguer in this deal, and Trey Mancini. Uh, I'm just now hitting send on the tweet. I was doing some Jaden Murray uh, recon. He's the other player the Astros added. Jaden. July 16th, in his AAA debut for the Durham Bulls, Jaden Murray struck out the side on nine pitches in the second inning. Immaculate inning. I'll send that out to you guys so you can take a look at what one of the newest Astros minor league pitchers, and he's obviously AAA caliber. He was great in AA with the Montgomery Biscuits, was throwing the baseball earlier this year. Another player that helps the Astros pitching depth. I think, and I do think there's a huge, I mean, look at his numbers from 2021 between high A ball and AA. He had a 216 ERA, a 283. ERA and double A this year, and it looks like he got beat up a little bit uh, so far. Well, I guess in his one appearance in triple A. Um, but I think you have to like James Click. The one thing he's done is, is attack bullpen really well so far. And this is a guy that that's was, an understatement is, you know, was drafted in 2019, it looks like, by the Rays. So it's a James Click product. So that's. I, that makes me feel good about this prospect already, not knowing anything about him. Like, this is someone that James Click helped get to Tampa, and now he's helped getting here. And the Rays organization, and so far, James Click have, you know, done a really good job of addressing pitching. Yeah, think about what we talked about concerning the prospects in the Astros system and James Click. When James Click trades a prospect from this team, his team, to another team, He's not married to that player. He didn't draft that player. He didn't develop that player. Right. They aren't, quote-unquote, his guys. He just got a crop of his guys. And his last draft includes some players. I mean, Alex Santos would be a, his player. And I think there's probably interest around the league, a former high school draft pick that, for them, was a very high draft pick. And then all the guys he got this year. But for the most part, they're not his. And interesting, as Joe points out, he's adding one of his guys. He wasn't the GM there, but he was obviously part of the group that put Murray in the system. Uh, some numbers on Murray in his last six starts at Double A, he had a batting average against of 196, a 213 ERA, a .89 WHIP, and made his way through 38 innings in those six starts. So again, very highly thought of. I don't really, like I said, think he's right at the top of their prospect list or anything, or for the Astros now. But their intent was to make the baseball team in Houston better, and like last year when he overhauled the bullpen. Getting Kendall Graveman, getting Phil Maton, getting Yimmy Garcia, uh, probably the three, one of the three of the big moves that helped to reshape it. Turns out that you also added Rafael Montero, who did not help much last year, uh, but is helping tremendously this year. And now you've added Hector Neris. So the big league club in the bullpen has his stamp all over it. And this is easily the most important player, major league player he's added in his time here, certainly in season at the deadline. Chandler Rome tweeting, one scout that follows the Astros system called Chase McDermott a big loss. This is the most fascinating part of any of these deals. And I'll talk about this a little bit when we come back because there's 
what was the criticism of James Click before? Basically today. I mean, I know he he went out and got uh, Kendall Graven last year, which really turned into the Rafael Montero trade. But his his biggest criticism was that he didn't, you know, swing for the fences, so to speak. Yeah. It was a big deal. He did swing for the fences in the big deal. Why did the Astros make the World Series last year? What was one of the biggest reasons? Because he saw that their bullpen sucked, mm-hmm. and he changed the whole thing at the deadline. Right. And what was it in the postseason? A huge, huge positive, because they had to go to them in the fourth and fifth inning of every game, it seemed like. And he he didn't bring in a big star, but he overhauled the team's biggest weakness overnight. Fantastically. tremendous. you be saying that's partly what he's done today. Potentially, at least. I mean, he did the opposite. He just added one guy to kind of fix maybe one problem. It's one of the biggest weaknesses, though. What? Center field. Or outfielder, I guess, in I mean, totality. Because, not just because of... I think that, unfortunately, if Kyle Tucker's playing center field, I think they made their entire outfield defense worse. But I don't think they're forced to do that just yet. I was about to say, what's, what's to say they're going to have to do that? Because center field sucks? That's what I'm talking about, though. Well, they didn't fix it today because Mancini's not going to play center field. Where's he definitely going to play? First base or corner outfield. I would guess. I Well, and I, the, the thing they're saying about McDermott, McDermott's probably the second best pitching prospect in the organization. He was actually rated 12th, but overall, but behind Sean Dubin, who can't possibly be that highly thought of anymore. He's a 26-year-old AAA pitcher. Throws fire. Doesn't get a lot of people out. Peter Solomon, same thing. He's been up and down with the Astros several times. And Forrest Whitley, another pitcher who's ahead of him on that list. But McDermott undoubtedly would be more highly sought after because he's pitching and not on the shelf. That's why it would be called a big loss. But it's also way down the road absolutely acceptable for a team trying to win. They're not going to put Kyle Tucker in center field. Well, they might be forced to. He's going to be fine in center field, field, but that's not an ideal setup for their outfield, in my opinion. All right, we'll continue uh, with this discussion and uh, jump back into the Deshaun Watson conversation as well. Somebody weighed in on that situation. We're going to get to that uh, sooner rather than later. As the 18 continues here on Sports Talk 790. Time for you to find that new vehicle of your dreams. The time to head on into classic Chevy Sugarland or classic Chevy Highway 6. You might have been able to take advantage of them this weekend being open for you because that's what classic Chevy Highway 6 does for you each and every Sunday. They are open. And, of course, Classic Chevy Sugarland open on Saturdays, both locations, open throughout the week. But whatever best suits your needs, they're there for you. One of the many reasons why they keep piling up those awards, and among them are the GM Dealer of the Year Award each and every year for 12 straight years. Also of note, nobody has more inventory than Classic Chevy Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6. Uh, you can check them out on their social media, and you will constantly see more vehicles rolling in on their lots. You will also see many Happy customers becoming part of the Classic Chevy Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6 family. You got three of them right here as part of the A team enjoying my 2020 Chevy Traverse right there off the lot at Classic Chevy Sugarland. Make sure when you head on over there and find that new vehicle of your dreams, you tell them Adam Wexler sent you by. This is Coach Holgerson. Right at the goal line. Touchdown, Cougars. You've got the A team on Sports Talk 790. Go, Cougs.
Alex Bregman officially on paternity leave. So one to three days. How long was um, who was just on paternity leave for the Astros? Uh, Hunter's dad. Oh. <laughs> How long was he out though? How many games did he miss? Came back for the game last game in the Mariners series. Did he not? The Sunday game. Yeah. So three days technically Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Is four, that the four games? But three days. Uh, that's normally what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, just an update on that. I'm sure we were going over whether or not, like, potentially the Mancini deal means the Josh Bell deal would not go through because Mancini would then be playing first base in that scenario. Well, to me, it's just a pivot. You know, hey, Washington, can we have Josh Bell? Yeah, you and every other team wants him. How about if we get this awesome prospect, that awesome prospect, and this superstar player? But he's only a rental. Tough. Click. So the Astros may have said, well, we can trade Jose Siri and Chase McDermott for a guy who's a a good player, maybe not at Bell's level this year, but also a guy we think we can use in place of Michael Brantley next year or in place of Yuli Gurriel next year, as opposed to figuring out what we can do with Josh Bell next year because he's not under contract and you'd have to... You know, agree to a new deal with him off of an excellent year and potentially an excellent year plus an excellent playoff year, as in much more expensive. Astros have announced the deal and that they've recalled Taylor Jones to take Bregman's spot for his paternity leave. Taylor Jones has been playing with the Space Cowboys all year. He was hurt in camp, had a back issue, and is he's been okay. Hasn't done anything great. Uh, obviously, if Jose Siri wasn't moved, I would think Siri would be the player they would add. Uh, but he's not available to them yeah. anymore. Yeah, he's a member of the Rays now. Uh, let's go out to uh, Nathan in Spring before the top of the hour break and get his thoughts on. Uh, here we go, Nathan. What's going on, man? Not too much. How are you fellas doing? Good. All right. Uh, I personally don't think McDermott was our best. Uh, prospect pitcher other than um, I think it's Jaime Melendez. That's Little certainly within reason. Fella. Uh, and not dealing him, I was so happy when I found out that we didn't deal him in this trade. And that was a, a three-team deal. and Honestly, we didn't really give that up that much. Uh, and obviously our coaches know more. And maybe McDermott's just not there for, I guess, what you could call the Astro way. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure. Are you going somewhere with that? I I, I don't really mean that as a joke. I'm I'm really saying, like, there is an Astro way. Uh, Lunau set the pace for it. Click, given his background, knows that there's a way for it. It's basically like, let's get the best out of our pre-arbitration players. That's the Astros' way. And if they want to sign a long-term deal like Alvarez did, let's do it. Uh, But what I would more or less say is we didn't really give up that much. And we're still in play for guys like Christian Vasquez. In fact, I would very much like him to just walk across the field and join us before seven o'clock. Uh, 
<clears throat> and also Andrew Chafin, Nantaplee, uh, Sam Mall from from Oakland. Those are guys that we could, we could look at. Uh, we're not done yet. We, we we still have a whole bunch of arrows arrows in the quiver. So that's an interesting group of players. I appreciate the call. Every major leaguer you just mentioned, chafing on down to Mall, I totally agree with. I think these are all desirable ads. I think most other major league teams are thinking the same thing. Uh, so it's probably just finding the right match, which teams are willing to, to look in your system and, and want something that you have. And it probably won't take a tremendous amount, I don't think, for any one of those pitchers, uh, Mall and, and Chafin specifically. Um, I'm not really sure what you love about Melendez and don't love about McDermott. I think they're both good prospects. They're both not, I would say, neither one of them is enjoying tremendous success this year, throwing the baseball, too many walks, and... You know, too many base runners. Both of them are striking out hitters at a pretty high pace. Melendez is a younger player and also a more advanced player considering he's already with the hooks. So I would tend to agree. Probably a a nice keep. Both relatively similarly ranked within the Astros prospect system. Jeremy tweets in, Caller clearly doesn't think McDermott was a Bill O'Brien type of guy. Well, that's what I don't understand. (laughs) I mean, and then what he said didn't make any sense either. Get the most out of him is pre-arbitration. Well, guess what these kids are and what Mancini isn't. Yeah, yeah, it's not. He's not exactly a pre-arbitration guy. All uh, right. I may have misunderstood what he was trying to say. Well, it's it, it is what it is. It's the end of the four o'clock hour. F- uh, football at five conversation is coming up next. We'll also get to in case you missed it. And uh, at some point, I need to go over a tweet from a member of the New York Yankees covering media, if you will, that gave one of the most arbitrary reasons for them going after. Lou Trevino, uh, as it pertains to a, an inevitable showdown, as he puts it, with the Astros in the postseason. We'll do that all coming up in the 5 o'clock hour next. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. A-Team. Are you ready for some football? It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Nothing, baby. It's 5 o'clock football. Professional football in America is a special game. Our Football 5 conversation gets underway, as it usually does at this time. Uh, the Deshaun Watson ruling or punishment has come down, obviously. Yep, backburner story. Texans at camp today. Put the pads on for the first time. Third practice day. Back they took burner. Sunday. Yeah, who cares? Plays for the Browns. Well, later this season anyway. Um, after an off day Sunday, first two days of practice, no pads. Today, they put the pads oh on. Oh my God, they put on pads. They put the pads on. A little popping, although not as much as usual because the Guardian caps are also on. Stop calling them that, NFL. What should they call them? I don't know. Well, uh, call them what J.J. That's, Watt that's refers to. what they to. are called. Bobbleheads. Okay. Call, he can call them that. I'll call them Guardian Caps moving forward. Uh, heard from uh, two players today. Enough with the finesse stuff. Thank you, Joe. Jeez. Finally. How long did it take you? I'm sorry. I had to get the right notebook music. I, I was. I had to find it. We moved buildings and everything transferred the same way. I had to find it, but I got it. That came from one defensive player as they got set for 11-on-11s. And another defensive player making his way from one drill to another. It's a good day. We got the bleepity bleep pads on. Then he went down there and smacked somebody. 
So a little bit of popping going on, more real football, but again, just day one of that. They'll have the pads on tomorrow and Wednesday also. That one off day in week, Thursday, and they'll be back at it on Friday and on through the weekend. Also the first day where the fans weren't out there. Family and friends were in the stands, but no fans out there. And with the pads on, it was a five-plus page day in the notebook. Noticeably absent from practice, uh, the only quarterback at the time I thought was still on the roster that's worse than Jeff Driscoll, mm-hmm. Kevin Hogan, iced, made it through two training camp days. They released him today. Beat it. Uh, just so you know, their third string quarterback, Jeff Driscoll, during three different sets of 11 on 11, I believe the snap count was five. Uh-huh. So two at the end of each of the first two sets, then he got one snap at the end of the third set. How do you do? So super important. Uh, I mean, I hope they're not running young Davis Mills' arm into the ground, but I do like that he's getting almost all of the reps. Kyle Allen's getting the usual number for a backup, and I think they're doing the right thing with the third and fourth string quarterbacks. But as of today, there is no fourth string quarterback as uh, Kevin Hogan uh, was released. One of their draft picks was elevated to the active roster. Uh, Tegan Quintoriano, the tight end they drafted out of Oregon State, who was not a part of OTAs due to injury and obviously missed the first two days of now three of training camp, is now elevated off the pup list and be out there. Leaves them with just two players there, McCollum and Jordan Jenkins. Uh, not a practice day for uh, Philip Dorsett. Not exactly sure why, but a couple of missed practices for him now as well. A couple other players further down the depth chart also seeing that. But in terms of Noteworthy items out there today. They made a switch at uh, one of the guard spots with Max Sharping and Justin McCray. I think this was very much expected. Probably work both of them at the guard spot with the ones until Kenyon Green is ready to take over for whomever. Uh, because I don't think either one of them is starting caliber, and hopefully uh, Kenyon Green will establish that. He's still working with the twos. Got the knee brace on. Uh, he did not get a ton of work during offseason work, so I'm sure they have a plan in place for him. And exactly as it was described by Nick Casario before the first practice on Friday, and then Lovey Smith similarly after the first two practices, uh, the workload for Derek Stingley has increased. It was nearly 100% today. Like I said, they had three sets of 11-on-11s. 11 the last one was the least number of reps and that was the only one he did not participate in. Otherwise, uh, he's been out there with the uh, what I would think is their suspected and initial starting group. They're making enough uh, substitutions that I don't think there's a true, say, 5-DB package that's obviously their number ones. But it might possibly include both rookies, uh, Stingley on one end, Petrie in the backfield as a safety, uh, Jonathan Owens, Tavier Thomas, uh, Desmond King and Steven Nelson. I don't know that was more than five. Those are the ones getting most of the work uh, back there with what appears to be the ones. Another busier day for John Grenard off the edge. He and Jerry Hughes seem to be getting the most early work, although all the edge rushers are working and healthy. This team is remarkably healthy as of right now, but good to see Grenard, who did not get a lot of work during the offseason either. Another injured player they're trying to work back into shapes, shape. The ramp-up period continues. Great day for Brandon Cooks. Uh, same thing as, as I think we'll see every day. He finds the seams in Lovey's defense. Oftentimes it causes Lovey to gather his group together. And Davis Mills has a pretty good relationship with him. I specifically asked Mills about his ongoing on-field relationship with uh, Nico Collins and said the work they've gotten in has been great. You can definitely see things developing from a chemistry standpoint. He said uh, there's things that he offers this team that uh, 
can't be matched. As in, do you think he provides a matchup issue for the opponents because of his size and ball skills? And he said yes. And it's very easy to see out there. He uses his body pretty well, shielding off defenders. He is a big-bodied receiver, so that's what you should do, uh, especially if someone's trying to drive through you and you know break up a pass, a pass going to the sidelines. You've got to shield them, especially if the pass is not perfect. Catch of the day, Chad Beebe. A ball that was a little bit underthrown. It was just in one-on-one drills. Uh, but he came back to the ball, went high up to get it, and he landed hard on his back, but didn't seem to affect him. Second best catch of the day was Jalen Camp. He got behind the defense, and Kyle Allen just slightly underthrew him. And he came back to, uh, again, play the ball, made a nice catch. He's had really three good days of practice. He was with the team on the practice squad last year and then got into some game action late in the year. I definitely think they would like to see more of him as the days go by. Those are probably the things that stood out the most over their work today. But hopefully the next two days will also be equally active with 11-on-11, 7-on-7, some more one-on-one drills, a lot of time for Derek Stingley to line up opposite Brandon Cooks, and it's something I wrote about and talked about here. That's regardless of how many reps he gets and how many games he plays in the preseason, the more work he gets opposite Cooks, and the two are actually working with one another after practice also, that's how you get better. Yeah, well, and you know the fact that he's going to be going up against some of the best receivers uh, with the schedule the Texans are playing, that is clearly the closest you're going to get to do Because it's always about duplicating what you're going to face. Um, you know, offensive linemen being able to line up against J.J. Watt back in the day just wasn't fair. And so you're trying to do that every single time uh, with a guy like Brandon Cooks being the closest you have to an elite-level wide receiver in the NFL, even that's, though he's... That's one of the reasons why I love Stingley. There was some practice footage out from his freshman year of college when he's going one-on-one with arguably the two best, two of the best wide receivers in the NFL with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And he was just dominating them at 18. And look, they're 19 and 20 at the time. But, like, he's a lockdown corner. Like, I know he has his flaws the last two years, and health is part of that. And maybe Sauce Gardner still could have been the right pick, but I think think he's going to be a monster for the Texans. What do you think about how he fits this particular defense if, in fact, it is much like Lovey's done? That's exactly my thought. Because I don't think Lovey's going to run that. Uh, it's, just, it's hard to tell watching what they do, both in the off-season work and then again here. There's a lot of communication that they're clearly working on in the defensive backfield with, you know, this guy's coming across, I'm dropping him, you're picking him up, you're going this way, I'm going that way, uh, as, as opposed to Brandon Cooks is lined up outside, you know, outside whatever receiver position it's in, as long as it's not in the slot, and there goes Stingley outside and he just checks him. It's not really a whole lot of what we're seeing right now. Well, I, I mean... Okay, I'll just put it bluntly. He's going to fail if Lovey runs the same defense he did in Chicago. It's just not, he he's not tap- going to excel. He's not going to be utilized no, like, in the way he could Lovey be. But Lovey would play his corners like you had to tackle. Charles Tillman was one of the, is one of the best tackling cornerbacks of all time. And he made the peanut punch famous. Nathan Vasher could tackle. Like, Lovey had guys that were not afraid to hit. And... There's some concern that Derek Stingley Jr. is not one that wants that contact. And I just, I, I wonder if Lovey plays the same defense, I wonder if he will succeed. And that's why I don't think he's going to. Or even if he does, he probably won't be here like forever, even though I love him. And I think he's, seems like he's doing a great job so far. 
But I think Derek will be fine. I do, too. I think anything of a... I don't want to make any grand predictions. What we're seeing and what's going to take place out there and even some of the schemes and the looks that appears that they're showing now versus what might be played on any given Sunday or Thursday for this team, it's not necessarily the case. The good news is, like I said, Petrie and Stingley, as they should be, um, they're lined up to be starters at the beginning of the season and for the entire time they're here in Houston, which is exactly what you need that not just this team, I mean, a good team should be drafting players that are immediate starters in that area where they drafted them. Obviously, Stingley at three, uh, but with Petrie in the top 50, I think the same holds true. They, they certainly should be starting here, and, and that obviously seems to be the case. All right, in case you missed it, straight ahead here on Sports Talk 790, some of the stuff we have not gotten to, including uh, a big-time deal for a former Astro. Good stuff to be talking about. Was out there at practice earlier today, like I mentioned, and right across the field for me is a big sign that says Bud Light, your official beer of the Houston Texans. As they get ready for their season, well, you get ready for your season, enjoying all of your tailgating activities with Bud Light right there by your side in your cooler. Of course, to be enjoyed safely and responsibly, just like I do. The weekend just finished up, but worry we're only a couple of days from the weekend again it'll be thursday soon enough happy hours each and every day uh, weekend conversations about sports little vacations beach trips we'll fill that cooler up with ice cold refreshing bud light nothing it's spot always during these conversations like your your good friend your bud light my friend and your friend ice cold refreshing bud light do it like i do enjoy your bud light safely and responsibly Hey, this is Killer B, Craig Vigio. Of the 3,000 hit club. You've got Killer A's in the afternoon, though they have 3,000 less hits. Oh, we're having some fun. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler on Sports Talk 790. That music means, in case you missed us, or in case you missed it, is upon us. That's what I'm trying to say. Joe, take it away. Yeah, we're just talking about money today, basically, okay. here. Uh, Debo Samuel, three-year, $71 million deal uh, from the 49ers. I appreciate how Ian Rappaport tweeted it. Did not call him a wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> wide receiver called him a weapon. Well, doesn't he get more money Fact. if he plays more reps at running back based on this deal? I did not, not see that. Hold on, I'm going to find the story here because I um, just... And uh, as you look for that, DK Metcalf got a three-year, $72 million deal from the Seattle Seahawks. I'm surprised by that one. Uh, So all these deals this offseason, on average annual value, Brandon Cooks, who also signed a deal this offseason, 19.9, roughly million bucks. He's the 15th highest paid receiver. He makes the most money in the NFL among wide receivers that don't make $20 million or more on average annual value. And the number, correct me if I'm wrong, this offseason, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, all got deals this offseason. Uh, yeah, I think that's all of them. Uh, I mean, Allen Robinson got a pretty good deal from... Uh uh, the Rams. 15-5, so he's just further oh, down yeah. the list. Okay, yeah. Uh, by the way, Adam Schefter tweeting that he, talking about uh, Debo Samuel, could get an additional $1.95 million over the life of his contract for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. He gets uh, six hundred fifty grand per year 
For each year, he has 380 or more rushing yards. He gets 150 grand if he scores three rushing touchdowns in any of those years, and he maxes out at 650 grand per year and 1.95 million over the life of the new deal. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, just a quick trade deadline recap uh, for everything that's been happening over the last couple days. Uh, during Friday night's Astros game, the Seattle Mariners traded for Luis Castillo. Uh, former Astros prospect Josh Hader was traded from the Brewers to the Padres. The two leading um, guys in saves were traded for each other. Uh, Taylor Rogers from the Padres, who was traded from the Twins this offseason. He goes to the Brewers. Hader goes to the Padres with other prospects. Uh, Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino go to the Yankees. And, of course, your Houston Astros acquired Trey Mancini. Did you see what I tweeted about Hader and the Astros? I did not. Who are the Padres' two best pitchers right now? Uh, Joe following Musgrove. the trade. Joe Musgrove and Josh Hader. The Padres' two best pitchers now were once traded by the Astros. Mm. Joe Musgrove was sent. You see, you're, you're mm, too early. Joe Musgrove was sent to the Pirates as part of the deal to acquire Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. Very good. No, uh Right. No, no grunt. No, I know where you're going with this. Josh Hader was sent to the Brewers as part of a deal to acquire Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires. Mm-mm-mm. But I added one other note. Both have been traded three times. Hader has been traded three times. Joe Musgrove has been traded three times. I just mean somebody wants you, Wex. It's incredible. The talent and the Astros trade of both was basically before, well, definitely before Hader had established himself. He hadn't pitched in the majors yet, and Musgrove had just scratched the surface barely as a major leaguer. Well, I'm speaking of it. Joe, Joe got a hundred million bucks. Yep, five years, hundred million uh, from the Padres, which means that they have at least two members of the rotation uh, signed for next year: Joe Musgrove and you Darvish. And then, just breaking out in the last five minutes or so. Uh, the Braves are giving Austin Riley a 10-year, $212 million contract. He has a lot of home runs this season. You paid any attention to any of the work he's done in the just-completed month of July? Uh was pretty good, right? I mean, he's. I would think it's impossible for him not to win player of the month in the National League for what he did in July. I would, ju- I would say that. Aaron Judge was unbelievable. He'll win player of the month for the um, National or the American League. 13 homers, 32 RBIs. His OPS was 1252. Riley's OPS was 1344. He had 26 extra base hits in 26 games. He hit 423. Oh, that's good. For the month. Jeez. For the defending World Series champion. Why you got to put that in there? Nobody wants to hear that on this station. Come on, Wax. All right, uh, Sportico.com just released the evaluations for the NFL franchises. Uh, The Denver Broncos just sold for over $4 billion. Uh, So that means the number one on the list is the Dallas Cowboys, and they are valued at $7.64 billion. Your Houston Texans fall 11th just behind those Broncos, valued at $4.63 Billion. If only the Cal man responsible say, for all that money, the man's name you just said. Yeah. I was at practice today, caught a, caught a glimpse of him. If only he would just say, you know what, I could use $4 billion and then well, sell not, it to somebody who He's will not run listed it. on the website. Because Janice is? Principal owner, Janice McCurry. Janice. That's accurate. Oh, that's a different Janice. Who's Janice? Uh, His wife? Yeah. They're married still? I guess. Who do you think's right last? Is this just 
All 32 NFL teams. Just NFL who's yeah. least valuable? Jacksonville. Yeah. They are 30th. $2.94 billion. There's two teams that are worse? Yep. Really? Uh, I mean, one I team even... also very bad. It's not Carolina. Nope. Detroit. I was going to guess uh, Detroit. Okay. I wondered if their stadium allowed for them to be a little bit higher. That's at 31. And then coming in at 32 had been pretty bad. That's your your hint. Had been pretty bad? The Bengals? The Bengals. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, most surprising for me, and there's some change white helmets. when they get a new stadium, 29th, the Buffalo Bills. Didn't realize they were that far down. Stadium and location related, right? Yeah. I can see that. I know did, you have more. Uh, did the Texans win? Did the city of Houston get a win here? Because the Titans are ranked 23rd, and the Texans are the 11th most valuable franchise. That also, I don't know. That's a good question of why that would be. Like you're talking about long-term win. Yeah, like just like they're saying that the Texans are the 11th most valuable franchise in the NFL. The Titans, who left Houston, obviously, uh, ranked 23rd. Do you have the figures, like the how far oh, monetary? Yeah. Figures. So Texans are 4.63 billion. Yeah. Titans are 3.29 billion. So that's a pretty significant number. One point. Three, four billion difference. That's pretty significant. Yeah, that's a pretty good chunk there. Chunk of change. And uh, last thing I got here, the 76ers and the New York Knicks, both under investigation uh, by the NBA for free agency deals. Uh, the Knicks for Jalen Brunson. The 76ers are investigation because of James Harden's contract and then signing Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. Honestly, the Knicks should be under investigation for committing that kind of money to Jalen Brunson. And what's the, what's the infraction for the Knicks? Which says here that uh, his dad called him a bunch. <laughs> and, and his former uh, agent? <laughs> that's We don't like that. His dad you can't, you who can't works prove it. on staff with right. Knicks. He's one of their assistant coaches. And of course Daryl Morey tampers. He's supposed to have his players Present tense. do that so it isn't tampering. They did. They well, just all were players that used to play then here. it won't be tampering. But isn't it, even if your players are doing it, if you if you go to James Harden and you're Daryl Morey and you say, hey, prove it. why don't you take like $30 million less than we were going to pay you and we'll get you P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. Like they're in, like they're saying ahead of time, like we'll get you this guy, this guy, this guy if you take a pay cut. Even if James does the communicating, I feel like that's still tampering because you're basically telling him what's going to happen. Who are you tampering with? House and P.J. Tucker. How are you tampering with House and P.J. Tucker? Because you're telling him to recruit them if he takes a pay cut and you'll sign them. But it's okay for players to recruit other players. But what if you're telling him to do it? Isn't that different? Like, the You mean per- if you're not like, doing what he did here in Houston when they let James actually be the GM and he made all the decisions they just did what he said? Yeah, it's but now, now they're actually telling him what to do and right. he's following their lead? Uh-huh. That's tampering. <laughs> uh, and just one thing to go back on here. Ben Verlander just tweeted this out. Interview is up now on uh, SportsTalk790.com. Uh, this is, shows how sometimes people sign bad contracts. Austin Riley, 10 years, 212. Ronald Acuna Jr., 8 years, 100 million. Same team. What a steal. If I'm Ronald Acuna You signed Jr., it. No take backs. Crazy. He's worth three times. Uh-oh. What do we got? Wait. Wait for it. Wait till it's official. Breaking news per Mark Berman. 
Astros acquire catcher Christian Vasquez from Boston. He did it. He walked across two, the hall. For two minor league prospects. He walked across the hall, Joe, just like you told him to. Now we're going to have to investigate you for tampering. I, I guess the Red Sox will have to change their lineup, too. Well. Since he's in it. Not anymore. This was talked about by Ken Rosenthal over the weekend or late last night in one of his articles, and he also had the news of the deal. Um, this is a player who can certainly catch more often than your typical backup catcher, but probably won't catch a ton. He definitely play other spots also. Kind of the acquisition. It's better than your typical reserve catcher. He's a little bit better than that. Fair to say? Definitely. This is a great... James Click's crushing it right now. He just has one more move to make, and it's the best de- yeah. deadline in 2022. So, I think there's one more for move the Astros. that needs to get made. Well, no, no matter what... It's time what? for Jim Crane to... Pony up? It's time to sign James Click. I don't think he's... I, right? Anyone know? Am you don't I even wrong? know what he traded for Vasquez. I don't care. Wow. All right, I can't wait to see who it is now. I yeah, like, he just I, told you to suck it. I, I can't wait to... Were you rolling on that audio? He fixed, Can we play it back later when he, it's he in fixed, your face, old takes exposed? Look, if it's... <laughs> yeah, what is this going to cost you? Yeah. A backup uh, catcher. Well, for you, he's yeah. a starting catcher. Sure, but it's not going to cost you that much. How did, didn't he have some pretty big hits against the Astros in the postseason last year? Or am I... Did he hit one of the Grand Slams? No, I think he did. He has he had one homer and four RBIs against the Astros in the <laughs> yeah. series. There was among his six hits. Oh, actually, no, that was against Tampa. He did not homer against the Astros in the postseason in none of his three Games. playoff series against Houston. Played against the Astros in 17, 18, and 21. Hmm. Two, well, he's just two a for backup. six, two for 13, and three for 15. How much so does he he's actually been play? Terrible. Okay, yeah. Well, play he's, he's just a backup. Two games a week. Yeah, he he should or could play more often than your backup catcher the last two years, Castro and Castro and Lee, which is good. But it also means when it's two two in the eighth inning in a playoff game, you won't even think twice about pinch hitting for Maldi, pinch running for Maldi, or anything like that. Or it's the seventh inning, or it's the sixth inning, or it's the fifth inning. You should be considering it when you have a legitimate player like that. And Vasquez has played a couple of other spots. Not a lot, but he's played a few games around the infield over his time in Boston. Could pay off for the Astros as well. We'll see what they gave up for him. Yes, we will. Uh, We'll get to a little tidbit about the Yankees deal and someone we all know and I don't know if we say we love him, but he did weigh in on the Deshaun Watson situation, as he put it. We'll get to that as well before the end of the show. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Houston, it's your home team. Man, lifelong Astros fan here. Anytime. Anywhere. You gotta love your home team. The go Rockets go. Just tell your smart device. Play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. Playing Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. DJ Kelly. You guys can say what you will about Chandler Rome. 
That guy is quality Twitter. Just just tweeting a picture of Christian Vasquez with his name over the picture. That's it. That's all the tweet is. Right outside the batting cages. There inside uh, Minute Maid Park. He's not wearing orange. He's wearing Red Sox gear, taking BP. Normal time for the opponents to do so at Minute Maid Park. And as far as he knows, he's still an opponent. But he won't be soon. And he'll find out shortly. If he hasn't already. Do you think, honestly, when he sent that tweet out, that picture, he really doesn't even have an idea that he's traded? I mean, if he was... I'm always curious about that. If he had an idea that he was traded, he would not be taking BP for the Red Sox. They would have told him he would be so like, hugging people, saying goodbyes, question, right. and changing clubhouses. Right, because Trey Mancini was doing that uh, a couple about an hour ago. It was tweeted that he was doing that. Yeah. Um, but okay, so do you? But think- this is reporters are reporting this. Mm-hmm. It's not official. Their people might have might be fin- finalizing enough of the paperwork themselves before they go tell him, or maybe he's aware of something maybe happening, but he decided well. If I'm going to get my hacks in either way. Well, I could I mean, Andrew Benatendi played the day he was traded. The Kansas right. City was playing the Yankees. It was an easy fix, and the timing was right, and potentially the timing from getting approval, getting any necessary, you know, I's dotted and T's crossed can happen that he could be on the roster because he's healthy and there. I mean, it's an easy move for the Astros. They have to find, except for getting him a 40-man spot. Right. I mean, they're, they'll send, Corey Lee's getting sent down, I can tell you that much, but you have to get Vasquez onto the 40-man roster, so some we, other move would be need to be made. Do we get uh, Jason Castro is done for the year before or after the deadline? I mean, the Astros could have said it at any time. It's been reported here multiple times by Chandler. He did it again today. No, that's what I mean, just the Astros actually confirming it. I know it's been no, reported. I doubt it. And I think, so if weird. I'm not mistaken, I don't, I'll check again. I don't think Castro is on the 60-day IL and if 30? they well ten is what he'd be on oh, yeah, yeah. and if you transfer him to the sixty then that would clear a forty man spot. Gotcha. Uh, real quick, are you are you familiar with Bob Clappish's work? Yes. Did you see what he tweeted at about four forty five? Don't follow him. I don't either. Lou Trevino struggling this year, six point four seven ERA, but. His career success against Jose Altuve, 2 for 14, and Alex Bregman, 2 for 10, was an incentive for the Yankees to acquire him. Brian Cashman looking for any slash all weapons for the inevitable showdown against the Astros. So he's you, but reverse? What do you mean? You just said the exact same thing about Frankie Montas, except he's bad against Houston. Yeah, except for we're talking about a very, very small sample size against two specific players, not what a starter has done against an entire lineup this year, a year he figures to factor into a playoff matchup against them way more so than a reliever, in my opinion. They needed some help for their bullpen. and they I mean, I thought Trevino would get traded despite the fact he's having a miserable season overall. Yeah, but Brian Cashman's saying, well, I know he sucks, but he's really good against Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. We got to go get him. That just sounds so stupid. Right. And this guy's saying in, that's what went down. That it was an incentive. I mean, you make it sound as bad as possible. I'm just reading the tweet. Yeah, but you're making it sound like Cashman actually said that. Well, this the way he tweeted it, it essentially that's what he's saying. 
a reporter could ask Cashman if he's, say, in front of him announcing the deal. You know, Trevino's had some success against, you know, a couple of Astros, Jose Altuve included. Did that have anything to do with the deal? I mean, it's something we're aware of for sure, but, you know, we just like what he can do. Oh, no. For he, he Brian Cashman's sake, that. I hope that's how that went down. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I don't, I can't even remember exactly what a, you said he said. There's no way he said that. His career success against those two players was an incentive for Yankees to acquire him. Cashman looking for any slash all weapons available or for the inevitable showdown against Astros. Why is that bad? It's like, just funny. Like, that's kind of normal. Well, like, okay, great. He had success against these two guys. But what about all the other guys in the lineup, including that monster? Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, if if Lou Trevino's in and the Astros, you know, need a big hit in the later stages, even if it's in Yankee Stadium, I, I feel pretty confident with the right batters coming up to the plate, up to and including Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. They don't really give a crap that it's Lou Trevino across from them. Well, they won't. They don't care about anybody because that's why they are who they are. That's why they're so good. They right. never care. But if a pitcher has success against a certain team and you know you're going to need to beat them, it seems reasonable to go get them. Not a team, just these two players. Well, the Astros' career batting average against Trevino, which is relative. He's having a bad year. This is probably more of who he is. Mm-hmm. It's 201. What's uh, It's pretty awful. What's the career? As in good for Trevino and Yankees? Yeah. yeah, no, that's fine. What's the career against Frankie Montas? Because I know he's had some success against the Astros' Definitely in 2020, I want to say, when they won the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- his numbers this season are awful, but overall, I would think they're pretty good, or at least decent. Uh, he's had a little bit of an up and down to get to 318 for the season for his ERA. Uh, he's faced the Astros, I think, three times, two times. Astros are hitting 298 against him this year. Astros well, have hit him with an ERA at, right at three. Twelve innings, four earned runs. I mean, where is he in their rotation? Well, they're probably starting three to dislike four? Jordan Montgomery. They just transferred Luis Severino today, this afternoon, to the 60-day IL, which also means he's off the 40-man roster, but probably going to be back maybe in time to be built back up as a starter. Maybe not. So that allows them to slot him in. I don't know where they'll put him in, but they don't need to know that now. They'll see where things stand by the end of the season. If I were to guess, I would say four. Uh, Tyon could certainly be ahead of him, and Cole and Cortez, I would assume, would also be ahead of him. And like the Astros, they won't need to work their guys for about a week after the season ends because of the three-game series that will take place before they play any games. I wonder if... I like what the Yankees have done. The Yankees have added players that help them a lot. They are not great players, even though Montas can be a frontline guy and has postseason experience. But they had some issues in the bullpen, especially with the King injury. With what Chapman is doing, that's another issue. And both of the arms they added, they have good stuff. Much better results from the pitcher they got from Chicago than the pitcher they got from Oakland, but both have good stuff. I mean, the pitcher they acquired from the Cubs... you probably would be best served calling his stuff nasty. But I also think the Yankees gave up a lot of prospects in return to do so. They're definitely going all in. By the way, since you're probably already mad at me, I binge-watched the episodes of The Captain that I had missed, so I'm all Why caught up. Why am I mad at you? I don't know, because I'm... I don't know. Why would I be mad at you? Why do you just assume that? Because I'm trying... I don't... I'm not crapping on Bob Crappish. You just called him Bob Crappish. What's so his name? Kind of sounds like I lost the tweet. I hit it's, refresh. It's clappish. Yeah. No, it's fine. I just think it's funny. 
The way the way if nothing else, the way he worded the tweet, which is probably more what we're talking about here versus the alternative, which is that hey, Brian Cashman saw this this uh, closer is good against two guys in the Astros lineup. I gotta go get him. Brian McTaggart, also good friend of Sports Talk 790, frequent yes. visitor to our programs Big in the trenches. Fan of his mullet and uh, Friday nights on Astros on Deck. Uh huh. Vasquez, when asked if he was traded to Astros, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> How does it feel? It's a business. Red Sox uh, PR then pulled him away. He got swarmed like he was fresh meat out there. It looks like a chum, if you will. Yeah. Hey, we got to get this guy over to the opposing does clubhouse and get him in some orange ASAP. Yeah, we'll look for. I think there's actually some decent sound. Um, yeah, <laughs> a very brief media encounter with the newest Astros catcher Christian Vasquez. That's from the Sports Talk 790 Twitter account. If you want to go check that out. All right, final segment of the show coming up next. Uh, we'll check in with Christian Vasquez, the newest member of the Houston Astros, and. We'll check in with Orenthal. He's got thoughts on Deshaun Watson. All right, I'm going to check in with Classic Chevy and Sugarland every chance I get because they are going to give me the best customer service, whether it is getting into a vehicle, whether it is maintaining a vehicle, or whether it's just talking sports. Yeah, I said that because Jeff Sebastian, he and his wife Tiffany, they own both locations, Classic Chevy and Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. You know what Jeff's been doing today? Uh, in addition to hooking you guys up with... Uh, the ability to relax and enjoy the difference at Classic Chevy and Sugarland. He's been texting with Wex and I because he's a diehard sports fan. So you know going in that not only do you have somebody who has your best interest in mind when it comes to getting into getting you into a new vehicle, but you're dealing with somebody who cares about the local sports teams. I'm not saying that's important when it comes to getting into a vehicle, but it's kind of nice, right? And that's what they do over there at Classic Chevy and Sugarland. They make sure you can relax and enjoy the difference with more inventory than anyone else and they do things the right way. If you don't believe me, you can check out any of their 12 GM Dealer of the Year awards when you roam around the showroom because they're up there, and the banner is up there that tells you they're the GM Dealer of the Year. 12 straight years of doing things the right way gets you that kind of hardware, and you'll see when you go in what it means to relax and enjoy the difference. You'll get a lifetime engine guarantee, a lifetime of car washes, and two years of free maintenance as well when you purchase a new vehicle from them. And you'll get the ability to go into the Highway 6 location on Sundays because they're open on that day for your convenience. Relax, enjoy the difference, and tell them the A-Team from Sports Talk 790 sent you into either location of Classic Chevy in Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Top side three is good. Scooping score! Gordon throws it down with the right hand. Hey, this is Eric Gordon. You're listening to the A-Team. Adam Wexler, Adam Clanton on Sports Talk 790. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. So we were watching that video on the uh, 790 account during the break, Wex. How would you describe the proceedings? Whisked away? Well, Christian Vasquez, like we said, was on the field in the midst of Sox BP. was actually talking to some other members of the Astros, other members of his team, and probably was not aware that a deal was being reported and confirmed uh, through sources outside of the official announcement. And then as he made his way towards the Red Sox dugout, uh, the media stopped him, which is not atypical for a player after BP or just whenever he's available, if you're available on the field, which they are. And he was asked about being traded. You know, were you just traded to the Astros? I think so. You know, do you think about that? And as he was getting ready to answer that, he got a tug on his shoulder and it was right by their dugout. It was somebody with the Red Sox staff who pulled him aside and I think took him back underneath and into the clubhouse away from reporters now could speculate that maybe he was trying to officially alert him that the deal had gone down rather than him hearing it from other people on the field and kind of realizing what was going on, or he simply just tried to prevent him from talking. I, I couldn't tell you. kind of looked like the former rather than the latter. And at the very tail end of that audio, you could hear a member of the Boston media, a little unhappy that he had been pulled away from that conversation so as to miss out on the raw reaction from being traded. From the Red Sox? I mean, to there, the he did look like he was in, I wouldn't say shock. Well, maybe shock is the right word. He clearly looked like he had not been informed before those questions were being asked of him. But here's what I'm thinking. He's their pretty much everyday starter, right? He's played the majority of their games, yeah. Yeah. I think, honestly, and, and maybe I'm just, this is just me. Maybe he's thinking, oh, man, I'm not going to be playing as much. Like, maybe that's what's crossing his mind as he's being peppered with these questions right then and there. In addition to drafted by the Boston Red Sox in 2008? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But But you know what, honestly, if I'm him and I'm looking at both these teams, come on, man. There's no comparing the two. I know the, the Red Sox have been decent at times this year, but they're not the Astros. They're not the Astros now. He won a ring with them. He was a big, you know, he's right. Been, now you can win another one. Right. Because you weren't going to win one with them this year. So in an hour, it might be different. Yeah, he'll be wearing orange and it'll be fine. I mean, it's so funny. Like, this is the second year in a row James Click has done this, too. What do you mean? Just made a guy walk across the field. Oh, <laughs> I forgot he about that. They were in Seattle year last year. Kendall Graveman in the, in the Toro trade and now Christian Vasquez and, and, he won't make players walk. Both teams have players walk across. It doesn't look like this year. The Astros won't be losing anyone among their active players in this deal like they did last year. It was a terrible one in Toro, but it was one nonetheless. Joe Smith also. Trey Mancini's oh, revenge game coming back in September to uh, Baltimore is going to be awesome, too. Yeah, he, he did talk to the media after he was made aware of it. And I think he, he you know reconnected uh, with the media before he made his way out, I assume. He will be with the Astros, I hope, before this homestand ends, before they go to Cleveland. But, yeah, he talked about it a little bit. You know, it's it's tough for him to leave the organization. It's You know, Baltimore's obviously meant a ton to him. And, you know, he's obviously cognizant and appreciative of his new situation because instead of fighting for a spot in the playoffs, which they probably would not have earned, he's going to be playing as the two or one seed with a team that's played in five consecutive ALCSs.
It's not a bad place to be. It's a great place to be. He'll 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 really, I think, respond very very well to this deal. He'll be fine. Again, once he gets into the clubhouse too, like they'll see. Everybody always sees. <laughs> they, they they get here and they're just like, yeah, this is this is awesome. Uh, you know what else is awesome, Wex? A guy not being self-aware. A guy that when it comes to dealing with the legal system and having thoughts on it, just never, ever runs out of things to say in spite of his own checkered past. And that's where Orenthal comes into play here. O.J. Simpson, as you might have guessed it, after the Deshaun Watson six-game suspension comes down, he had some thoughts, and this were some, this, these were some of them. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. This morning, you know, they keep talking about the, the Deshaun Watson situation. They hired this federal retired judge. Uh, they obviously respect her, both sides. She looked at it. She came out with a decision. Hey, man, that's it. That should be it. People are saying, why would he settle if he was innocent? Hey, look, guys, he's not going to change anybody's mind no matter what he does. He can't change my mind. I think he probably was out of line with some of the girls, and I think some of the girls jumped on board uh, because there was a chance of making money. I'm just saying. Take care. <laughs> go Bills! <laughs> he did not say go Bills at the end. Uh, for hey, Twitter world. He did say that. <laughs> that was a tweet. So he probably yes. talked for about two minutes. Yeah, first half was about Bill Russell. So, f- so. for show purposes, yeah, you whittled that down. Well, uh, to just under forty seconds. Yeah, I, I, and, I pulled for, out the Bill Russell part, and yeah. I pulled out the comparing Fox News. Well, part. so the part for, where he for gave clarity's sake, to both families of he Bill spent Russell, a two-minute tweet talking about the death of one of the all-time greatest people yes. in NBA history. Yes. Not Nicole. He or talked Ron. about Fox News. Yep. Yep. And he talked about Deshaun Watson. Yeah. One tweet. Go Bills. Yep. OJ. People are saying, why would he settle if he was innocent? I'm not going to change anybody's minds no matter what. He's not going to change anybody's minds no matter what he does. There was no, I'm familiar with this, or I can speak from experience. He was probably out of line. He's not going to change people's minds was a personal reference. Do you think he was out of line with Ron and Nicole? Uh, I don't know. If he was there, I guess probably. One thing Joe didn't play is when he said fighting this was going to cost a fortune. I'm pretty sure the legal fees of fighting it wouldn't be much different than what he paid off in settling these cases. Yeah, he knows about legal fees. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I feel pretty confident saying Deshaun Watson will spend more money in his attorney's fees than he did for 23 settlements. Think that's about right? Yep, but he didn't have the dream team at his disposal either. He had a highly successful lawyer. Just rusty. All right, we'll give you a recap of Monday Night Raw and if the Astros make any more moves tomorrow on the A-Team. Have a great night. The A-Team. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.